Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Here is Kelsey. Still going. Still going. Kelsey. Good night. Touchdown. Chiefs win it. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. That was Joe Buck, the final Fox Thursday night game that they'll ever have, and it was a good one. The Kansas City Chiefs winning in overtime, 34-28 over the San Diego Chargers, the L.A. Chargers now. I'm going to call them San Diego forever. It's 7.01, <laughs> your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Randy, and good morning, Dan, and you're right. What a game last night. What a sweater, Randy. <laughs> it is National Christmas Ugly Sweater Day, so... I'm going for you guys. I, I told you I, I was going to confess you. <laughs> yeah. uh, here, let's. Uh, my sweater even has jingles. And a tongue hanging out of the reindeer. Oh, yeah. So we got that Do we know which us. one that yeah. is? Is that Prancer? Well, let's see. Does he have a Donzer? I don't know. I don't, it, it gives me. I mean, he looks he, a little blitz. It could be Blitzen. Probably Blitzen, yeah. That is uh, some sweater you got there, Randall. Thank you, Daniel. Looking great, and you're Appreciate celebrating it. the holiday. I am. I, I try to be festive. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. One week from today is Christmas Eve. I want that? everybody to know that. It got here in a hurry. So uh, you, you, you caught my attention with something here, guys. Um, that was the last Thursday night game on Fox. Ever. It's going to Amazon. It was on next year, yeah. I wouldn't say ever, because rights go all over the place. Yeah, they do, but probably for Joe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. All right. But it, it was a wild game. During the first three and a half quarters, the Chargers were stopped on fourth and goal three times, once from the five-yard line, twice from the one. KC was stopped at the one as well. So the Chargers up 21-13 midway through the fourth quarter when Patrick Mahomes hits Tyreek Hill for a one-yard score, then hit Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for a two-point conversion, 21-21. Justin Herbert drives the Chargers back for a touchdown with 2.24 to go. They're up by a score, 28-21. But this is Mahomes. KC comes right back. Mahomes to Kelsey. We're tied at 28 with 1.22 left. If you're paying attention, our fourth quarter score here is 15-14 Chiefs as we go to overtime. Chiefs win the toss. Mahomes to Kelsey for 27. Mahomes to Tyreek Hill for 14. First and goal for our first and 10 from the Chargers 34. Mahomes takes the snap at his right thigh. Dumps it over the middle. Caught by Kelsey at the 30. Spins back up. Hey, Kelsey at the 15-yard line. Kelsey at the 10-5. Touchdown, Kansas City. In the biggest AFC West game in five years, the Chiefs put the hammer down with a 34-yard touchdown pass. Mahomes to Kelsey. And the Chiefs take a commanding two-game lead in the AFC West with a gutsy, Gutsy, gutsy win in overtime. 
Mitch Holtis, the call on 106.5 The Wolf in Kansas City. And it does pretty much put away the AFC West for the Chiefs. And what a game and what a finish. It was, absolutely. This has had everything that you needed in a game. I love that it was a Thursday night game when everyone could watch it at the same time. But you have two good teams, two great quarterbacks back-to-back. There was so much parity and excitement in this game. And it felt like a playoff game last night. So Hill and Kelsey, 22 of 26, by the way, from Patrick Mahomes. So those are the two targets. And obviously Kelsey had a big game. I think he was over 150 yards. Hill was 13 for 148. Kelsey was 13, although 12 for 148 for Hill, 10 for 191 for Travis Kelsey and three touchdowns. 191 for the tight tight end. end. Yeah, it's pretty good. Not bad. Now, this game could have very easily ended in regulation had just one time Brandon Staley said, you know what, let's take the three rather than the seven. And I get coaches always talk about we need sevens, not threes. But when it's fourth and goal, and I I don't even mind the first quarter one, but once you've been stopped and you need points, you have to kick a field goal at some point. You just Mm -hmm. can't leave points on the field like they did on three different occasions. And Kansas City made a pay. Here's Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers. That's the way we're going to play around here. That's the way we're going to play. And, um, you know, when we have a quarterback like ours and we have an offense like ours, that's the way we're going to play because that's how you need to play against Kansas City for sure. Um, And that's how uh, we're going to become the team that we're ultimately capable of being is is by playing that way. And, um, you know, uh, I'm really proud of our guys. I thought like we competed like champions today um, and they made a couple more plays in the fourth quarter and in overtime than we did. But I felt like our guys laid it on the line tonight. And I'm very, very proud of them for that. I'm not going to disagree with him that that is how the Chargers are going to become the team they're capable of being. But he didn't have his left tackle. He didn't have Rashawn Slater. And if he plays that way, and I get the analytics thing, but if he plays that way, what they're capable of is 10 and 7, 9 and 9 and 8. I don't like the analytics in football and a lot of things when it comes down to decision making. No. You know, sometimes it's just play by the... The numbers that tell you this is how you're going to win and you, this is how you get points. And I understand the, the analytics thing. I understand that they tell you that, hey, do this because, uh, you know, X amount of times you're going to get six instead of mm-hmm. the three. And then if you're up by that amount of, of, of points at that point in the game, these, you know, these amount of teams yeah. lose. I, I just what he's, the points, yeah. man. What he's <laughs> assuming is that every single defense is the same. Exactly. And you can't do that. The, the Chiefs well, now defense with the Chiefs, man. has been yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I uh, I was curious if you uh, know this, but how are the Chargers drawing in terms of home crowds with home fans? Well, they they aren't doing very well with yeah. with people that are Chargers fans. Now there were That's a ton of I mean. Chiefs fans there last night. I was That's say, a I was lot curious. of red at SoFi yeah. last night. Yeah. But no, they aren't doing particularly well. And by the way, that is a much better deal for the brokers for the secondary market for sure because the PSLs are only hundred bucks. Right. So you can sell to Chiefs fans. Packers. The, the tickets are a lot less expensive. Tickets are like $100 as opposed to 350 for the Rams. Right. So you can make a, a very significant profit being a, a Chargers season ticket holder at SoFi. Man, you think about uh, the teams that travel well. Yep. Chiefs, Steelers, Packers. Eagles. Eagles. Bears. Yeah. And so many transplants down there from big cities, too. Absolutely. You, you, when you didn't have football for nearly 20 years, People took on other teams right. as their favorites. So, for example, as great as the Patriots were during that run, bandwagon jumpers, when they play the Patriots at home, it's going to be a Patriots home game. Sure. 
yeah. from people in L.A. Our St. Louis Blues are back in action tonight against Dallas at Enterprise Center. You'll hear the action here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. It's a 7 o'clock start, 6 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario. Jordan Pennington is off of the COVID list, so he is back. May or may not play. Craig Bruby wouldn't say, but how did uh, how did Binner spend that off time when he was out with COVID? Um, yeah, I had some symptoms, just uh, mostly a, kind of like a sinus uh, head cold, I would say. Um, lasted for a couple of days, but nothing nothing crazy. And then uh, I had a lot of days where it was a lot of just kind of waiting and to be free. And uh, yeah, you know, I played a lot of pool. Uh, I got a pool table, so played a lot of that. Um, uh, some reading, got the guitar out, didn't really learn anything with it. Uh, I was kind of just walking around the house, finding stuff to do, and um, made some phone calls and got the life organized, you know, just uh, whatever whatever was going on that day. See things you don't ordinarily get a chance to do while you're a hockey player during the season. I love how hmm. he said, I was waiting to be free. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was waiting to be free. Isn't that the truth, though? Yes. He's like, welcome to uh, the COVID uh, quarantine with everybody else. Yes. That's what I've heard from everybody else. I've not had COVID, so I haven't had to quarantine. But, man, people just say I'm going crazy. I go stir crazy because I'm trying to, to be responsible for others and stay socially distant and you know live in a room or basement or whatever and they're like i'm going nuts so you're a hockey player and you're used to being on the ice and running all around and jet setting around the country and it comes to a screeching halt not a lot of fun especially if you feel fine as he said he had a couple symptoms of a head cold for a few days and then generally felt okay i think earlier or maybe a year or two ago a lot of guys who were quarantined may have had heavier symptoms yeah and so taking the time off and resting was obviously beneficial but if you test positive and you don't have symptoms and you're feeling fine, imagine 10 days yeah. sitting in your house. So you have to be going nuts. Dinner, quarantine, 10 days. Pool, huh? No, it's kind of a recent... Uh, I got a table last summer and uh, then I ended up... We had an empty room here and I got a table and um, it's been a lot of fun. I uh, definitely enjoy it. Well, he's, he's, just, he's fired up. Yeah, he's closing <laughs> in on being yeah. a pool shark. Uh, he's, he's pretty good. I would imagine they go with Lindgren tonight. Spirit St. Louis. And then, Lucky Lindy. Uh, yeah. And then uh, see what they do over the weekend, uh, potentially going back with Bennington in their next game. So the Blues will play tonight against the Stars, and then they'll play Sunday against the Jets. That's a 1 o'clock game. I could see Benning- game. Yeah, I could yeah. see uh, Bennington going that game, and then Lindgren goes tonight. But then again, I mean, all bets are off. What if Lindgren goes tonight and plays well again? I mean, Bennington is the guy you're paying. He's the guy that took you to the cup. He's your guy. However, I do think there are times that you just ride the hot hand. Absolutely. And and just keep going. And we'll see. Get him some practices. Make sure that he has no rest. His legs are great. But I'm I'm with you. If Chucky Sideburns is rolling, I say stick with him. Uh, Is there a chance, though, that he'll have a bad game? That's what you run into is that he might not lose again. Chucky Cypress. Never lose well, that'd again, be great, huh? Because then the Blues aren't losing either. That's exactly right. But what's that do for Jordan Binnington? What's that do for Binner? He's on a winning team. Okay. What's it do to Billy Huso? Uh, Ottawa? <laughs> <laughs> Question mark, Ottawa? <laughs> I don't know. All right, you're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, and Randy coming up. Our peak and pit of the week. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
Up into the peaks or into the pit? Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Carriker and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. We would love to hear your text. 65780 is our error comfort service text line here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, and it is time for Peak and Pit of the Week. And uh, my my peak is easy. Tuesday, being out at Whitmore, playing the North Course, and uh, shooting a 40 on the back nine. I was pretty happy with that. And parring number 16, which is not an mm. easy hole to par. So I was, I was pleased with that. And actually, uh, the guy I was playing with, Chris Muir from Golf Discount, actually texted me and said, how many people have you boasted to about that? So now I boasted to everybody about it. Everybody knows. Everybody does. And uh, my pit of the week is to see the headline, Zion's Bleak Outlook. Because his feet are a problem. He's well overweight. Apparently just doesn't have an awful lot of interest in getting involved in playing in the NBA. Uh, whether it's because of injury or because of his his diet or because of his desire for uh foods, whatever it is. He's over 300 pounds, and I think he'll wind up being another one of those what-if stories. Yeah. That is Man, a shame. What a lot a, of talent. What an unbelievable college basketball player he was. And especially when it's things that he can control. Yep. And obviously, yeah. it's, it's his life. If he doesn't want to do it, so be it. But as an observer of sports and as people that love to see greatness, and when you see someone who has the capability to be great, that is a real bummer. He was compared to LeBron. He was. Mm-hmm. They said he was going to be the next LeBron. Yeah, I've seen a lot of photos on on the socials. He's large. Is yes. he big mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. What is he about six six six? Okay, six six three hundred plus. Yep. And he was two eighty five in college, and they wanted him to get down to two sixty five, and now he's over three hundred. What did uh, you would know this? I bet Randy. What did Chuck play at Barkley? Uh, he's he, about six 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 yeah, seven. Yeah, and he played at about two seventy five. Yeah, two seventy five, two eighty. Yeah. Round bound of rebound. Yeah, he get after it. We. We look at guys who are on that great tier like Tom Brady and LeBron, and, you know, obviously we appreciate their greatness. I don't think we fully are able to understand and fully able to appreciate how much they give up in their daily lives in order to preserve their bodies and restrict things that we enjoy so that they can be great. Whether it's what they eat or no drinking or the stretching or the sleep, all of that stuff that probably seems ridiculous to us that they do so that they can be at a certain level. Yeah. I'll tell you this, if I got to that level, which was never going to happen, but if I did, I would invest in every possible option and edge for my body. I'm not talking about performer enhance, uh, enhancing drugs, but I'm talking about stretching coaches or personal trainers i would hire a chef i would do everything because i know my window to make the money and at that point it's a business is so it's small so take the money invest in it and look at it as an investment into your body which is your tool to get to the next level and stay at a highly competitive level and here's another sad one michelle you brought up two obvious guys in brady and lebron Steven Jackson did the same thing and was never rewarded for it. He is one of my, if if not the biggest what if of my entire sports life. If he would have played on a team like the Steelers Hall of Famer, if he would have played on a a team that was good, he would have gotten so much more output than he deserved. 
or that he played got back. I mean, teams. he was just such an unbelievably dominant player that played on some awful teams. I remember he did that little, uh, what was it, a Facebook series that showed yeah. what he had to do week to week to get his body ready. This guy was sleeping in hyperbaric chambers. Exactly. He was in the ice tub. I mean, he did everything possible to make sure his body was ready to play in a losing effort. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of respect for SJ39. Big time. Okay, guys, so my peak is the way that the Blues have been playing during this really tough stretch, particularly Chucky Sideburns. Charlie Lindgren has been so fun over the past week. And my pit is COVID. Everybody seems you to be... You just took both of mine. Did I? Oh, yeah, my gosh. look at that. No and we're right there, right? Yeah, I see COVID. What does it say underneath that? Chucky Sideburns. Uh, my peak was going to be the Blues. Oh, well, great minds think alike, Dan. I guess so. Go right ahead. Steal my thunder. But it just seems like everybody in sports is testing positive. Yeah. And, you know, here we are again talking about COVID protocols and guys are missing games. Teams are in are really tough spots and we just want to watch the games. Yes, we want everyone to be safe, but it's just as a sports fan, it's a pit. I, I was thinking about this, guys, is that are we going to have this now every time that the winter months hit? So variant hits, winter months hit, so people are inside, and a lot of your sports that we enjoy in the winter, it's going to be basketball, it's going to be hockey, it's going to be indoors. It, you know, is this what we're going to have to deal with? And every year it's just going to come around, you're going to have a spike or whatever the case may be. It's just, this is frustrating. I'm with you. The COVID thing is very, very frustrating, and I think to get through seasons, protocols maybe have to change and how about baker mayfield telling the nfl on twitter make up your damn mind on protocols showing up and making only three teams test also you can keep the game as scheduled to make money baker well i appreciate your frustration the league does have a cba with you where you guys get 50 percent of the money they make it's a valid point there, Randy. <laughs> but I get his point, though, about the protocol shifting. And, you know, it does seem like... But but again, the NFL and the NHL, all of these leagues are just trying to adjust as life is unfolding yeah. before them. And, yeah. hey, let's be realistic here. It would be different if they were scheduled for Sunday. But there are two Saturday games, and the Browns are one of them. And the league is going to do everything, especially on the NFL Network, the league is going to do everything they can to make sure that game gets played, regardless of whether or not they're able to start Case Keenum or Baker Mayfield at quarterback. And you're going to start having these games now, this late in the season, where you get the Saturday games, yep. the Sunday games, the Monday nighter. Yeah, you're right. Nick Mullins at quarterback for the Browns tomorrow, by the Ooh, way. Oh, boy. Where did he play college at? I don't know, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't 16 and 16 playing in place of Jimmy G for the Niners. So yeah. He was, he was okay at times. All right, then. Yeah. Uh, what do we have on the text line? Are you looking up Nick Mullins? University of Southern Mississippi. There we go. Mm-hmm. He's, to the, he's the next Brett Favre. Maybe so. All right. Uh, Andrew, what do we have on the text line? All right. From the 314 peak, retired this week. The oh. pit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations a little, a little golf on your clap. career. Yeah. Uh, the pit can't get access to the company's cards and blues tickets. Oh, man. You have to have a friend there. I'm going to set it up so that I have friends in high places so that I can get cards and blues tickets here when I retire. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you <laughs> I guess you are a friend in a pretty high place, Dan. I, I can help you in one of them. I know that yeah, for sure. That. Yeah. Everybody loves you, though, Randy. You're going to have season tickets no, just because you're a that. good person. I was going to say, I think Randy knows enough people that he he's set for life with tickets. He's fine. Uh, go ahead, Andrew. All right, Dan, you might like this one. From All the right. 314. The- Here's the pit. The weather in Nashville is nasty. Nicheville. Nicheville. The peak, back when everything was shut down, Danny Mac recorded my voicemail for me, and I get compliments on it every week. Oh. 
Well, that's nice. Thanks, Dan. No problem. For that person, for doing that. So what, you did their outgoing voicemail message? I guess I did a bunch of them because uh, everything was shut down. We're just hanging around. And I think somebody reached out to me on Twitter, and I just said, sure, what do you got? <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> and so I, I didn't. That's cool. Uh, and I said, yeah, send it to me. I'll be happy to do it. And I sent it back uh, an MP3 form. I want you to be my out, my outbox. I'll do it for yes. you. <laughs> Michelle. Michelle is not here. <laughs> Please leave a message. Please sure. leave a message. One of our great, fine. Uh, one of our great salespeople, <laughs> Maggie Teslowski, had a birthday last week, and we celebrated it yesterday. And as it turns out, the other members of the sales staff, Maggie, to set the stage, is a loyal of Chicago alum, loves Sister Jean. Mm. And so the other members of the sales staff got her a cameo from Sister Jean. Oh, that's awesome. Wishing Maggie a happy birthday. Maggie wasn't aware, because she was out of town last week, that Michelle had, in essence, threatened Sister Jean's I life. Yeah. I didn't threaten her. I just said, we know what you did. My favorite. You sleep with it when I open. I just said what? karma comes for everyone, sister. That's I used, all. I used to call a buddy of mine, and he had Harry Callis. Uh, he worked oh, with Harry Callis, awesome. and so he said, so it's at the end of Harry's life when he recorded it, but he recorded a phone message, and it said, John is not here right now. He'll call you back when he gets a chance. And then, you know, he says it like that, and all of a sudden you hear, Hey, John, what do I hit now? <laughs> That's what you hit. And then it goes, That's amazing. That reminds me of uh, Randy yesterday trying to hit the mics off. Yeah. Like, Randy, yeah. turn the mics yeah. off. Yeah. yeah, you did it, right? Sausage fingers. I, I felt like it. meat. Yeah. You were great. Like meat. Well, <laughs> speaking of meat from the 314, this texter's peak of the week is meat playing his greatest hits yesterday and hearing the audio of Randy cutting a promo on a coworker in a grocery store. I wasn't cutting a promo. I was ripping Ranji for being an idiot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Was that when you threw your phone at him? No, that was different. Okay. There is no Pete. There you is no have a scene at Schnooks. Hmm? You didn't have a scene at Schnooks where you were throwing a phone at no, uh, Ranji? No, no, okay. no. But that... he was not happy. You, you, you know, are an idiot. It's it's very rare that Randy <laughs> takes it up to a 10, but you can hear it in his voice when he does, and he was mad. <laughs> it was awesome. Hey, I do love it. Sorry, Randall. I'm still here. <laughs> wow. From the 636. Wow. <laughs> Peak. Uh, the... <laughs> The peak is the play of Chucky Sideburns. The pit is we have three quality goalies when Huso comes back, and we only need two. We would have had four. That's true. My pit is that we traded uh, John Gillies. We hardly knew you. He's now a devil? Yeah. Mm. Or is he a He plays for the devils now. No, no okay, he's a devil. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. From the 618, I feel Damn, like I'm baby. hitting every... <gasps> Every, every one of you is getting getting one specifically geared towards you. Peak from the 618. Illinois bringing in a solid recruit, recruiting, cl- bleh, recruiting class in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basketball f- this year. Pitt finding out. Oh, this- no, and, and football. And Brett Bielma's here. Oh, it just says BB. Yeah, Brett Bielma. Brett Bielma. Double B. Old double B. B. That's on me. Finding, uh, the Pitt finding out they still came in last in recruiting rankings in the Big Ten. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know? See, I, I don't worry about that with Brett Bielma because even when he was at Wisconsin, even when he was at Arkansas, he would always have like the, the, the bottom third recruiting classes, but he'd get his type of player. And get him in his system and coach him up, and he'd be fine. He can He's coach. Good. He's a good coach. He's yeah. a terrific coach. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. And coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Greg Amsinger 
MLB Network joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Well, normally you hear from Greg Amzinger on Thursday mornings with Character and Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. But yesterday, Greg decided to take advantage of some of this great December weather in Montclair, New Jersey. So he was out on the golf course and uh, 24 hours delayed, but we always love having Greg on the show. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? I, I should have skipped around round of golf. I, I should have been no. on the show instead. I'd be in a better mood today. Yeah, you know, there's certain golf courses that become a house of horrors, right? They just get in your head and you become mental. And Upper Montclair uh, Country Club, Dan Plesak's, uh club, I, 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 I can't play well there. I don't know what it is. I just can't play well. So it was a gigantic waste of time. I lost money on the course. It is what it is, you know? Greg, there are courses, and tell me if this is perhaps the case, there are courses that just don't set up well for left-handed golfers. Yes, 100%. The issue is I don't have that excuse because Dan Plesak is a six-foot-five <laughs> lefty. He literally is a six-foot-five lefty. He, he's obsessed with the game more so than I am, and all of my clubs, I've never purchased a, a golf club because I get brand-new irons and drivers from Dan Plesak every six months. So we're both 6'5 lefties. It's his club. He shot a 77. I did not break 90, and I I don't have an excuse. It was 66 degrees. Mm. There wasn't wind. Anytime the weather's perfect, I am I am not in for a good day. I need built-in excuses, and then I can play well. If it's windy, gusts of 20 miles an hour, I'm going to shoot an 81. But if it's perfect sunny skies and I don't have a built-in excuse, I might not break 100. The high for the rest of the year, the high temperature here in St. Louis for the rest of the year is scheduled to be 54 degrees on the 28th of December. I don't know that I'm going to get out and swing a club anymore this year. Why? If it's 50 degrees, get out and do it, man. We'll We'll see if the sun is shining. We'll see. (laughs) Don't be so particular. Uh, I mean, you can steal a round, steal a round. Greg, Greg, I'm a weather wuss. I'm a weather wuss. They say it comes with age. Are you becoming a snowbird? Are you looking at real estate in Arizona and Florida? Yes. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So uh, did you did you and Dan talk baseball on the course? When, when you get together with uh, your buddies from MLB Network, do you talk, not your job, but about ball? You know, most of the time we talk about the job, believe it or not. We, we talk about what's going on with the network, uh, shows, different ideas. Uh, sometimes a story becomes so big, like the managerial search for the New York Mets, for example. Our good friend Buck Showalter is in the mix. We're kind of pulling for it. I think every Met fan I've talked to is pulling for Buck Showalter to be the next manager of the Mets. It, it just makes a lot of sense. You know, I have a feeling it's going to happen. Why do I have that feeling? I've been through this rodeo before. Uh, once my friend stops texting me back, <laughs> that means it's getting real. It's getting real. And Buck Showalter is is ghosting everyone right now, uh, so therefore he's not trying to leak any information. I, I think we're a few days away from that being a formal announcement that Buck Showalter will be the manager of the Mets. He'll be a great fit there, Greg. I also thought Mike Schilt would be someone that could bring some stability to the Mets, but he takes a job with Major League Baseball in the commissioner's office. What did you think about that assignment for Mike Schilt? You know, I liked it. He, he, he is an, um, a unique guy. It's such a, a, a resume dedicated to the game and teaching the game, the fundamentals of it. But my goodness, is he a 
good human being, like just a wonderful man. And, and Rob Manfred is really surrounding himself with classy individuals. He's been doing that since he took over the commissionership. And I, I love this. I think, you know, how we uh, view minor league baseball and, and making sure that the logistics are there for these young men, the resources to, to get the most out of them to where it's a wonderful experience, even if they don't make it to the big leagues. Mike Schilt has such a, a great uh, amount of experience in that field and, and, and coming up through the minor league ranks, uh, and, and, and he cares about people. He just does. A loyal human being, and I, I, I love the idea. I love the, the concept. He's been gracious to us at MLB Network. Uh, we actually kicked it around and bring him on maybe as an analyst, but I see this as a better fit for him, and he can impact the game in many more ways. Greg, I'm really curious about, uh, I want to go back to Buck Showalter going back to New York, um, just dealing with the media. It's a different time and era, but, uh, and expectations will be really high with that team because of the money that they spend. I, I and, and to me, they've got to get a guy that has had experience as opposed to what they've done here recently. So to me, I, I could be wrong about this, but I, I just think he's the right guy for that job. Uh, 100% agree with you, Dan. There's an idea right now that that the managerial role isn't what it used to be, and you're dealing mostly with the media, and you're collaborating with the front office, and and the X's and O's and in-game strategy really not on your plate anymore. Uh, as we've seen, the, the managers that have a lot of success in the postseason, the guys that, you know on the biggest stage are under a microscope as to which reliever they bring in at what time. We don't see managers on the phone. We're not seeing them look at iPads to see a direct message from the front office. Everyone wants to think that. But the experienced manager still has a place in the game. And if you're expecting your team to be in those pivotal game fours of an American League Championship Series, or in this case, a National League Championship Series, which is where I think Mike Cohen uh, wants this this team to be, uh, I, I think I think the New York Mets need a guy that will make the right decision at the right time. As I say that, Buck Showalter knows this better than anyone when he didn't bring Zach Britton into a game at a postseason uh, series against the Toronto Blue Jays, who was the best reliever in the game. He left Ubaldo Jimenez in, and he wore that. This is this is a different day where front offices are going to give you more information than Buck Showalter probably wants. And I think he's going to have to tinker with his style of managing to make it all work. But it is going to still be a collaboration. But to think that an experienced manager who's got dirt in his cleats doesn't have a, a place in the game, I think that is a wrong assessment. And we're going to see it play out. If Buck Showalter is the manager of the New York Mets, he's going to bring out the best in all these guys. This team's ready to win right now. Greg, over the course of the last year or so, you've brought up uh, Carlos Beltran in relation to that job, and especially because Alex Cora is back and A.J. Hinch is back. I hope baseball doesn't waste the mind and the leadership of Carlos Beltran and hold the whole Houston thing against him when they brought other guys back. I think that Carlos Beltran, at the end of the day, would be good to have in Major League Baseball. I agree with you. I, I love my conversations I've had with Carlos Beltran over the years. The difference between him, A.J. Hinch, and Alex Cora, all you have to do is go to baseball reference and look at the amount of money all three of these guys made in their playing careers. And it's, it's astronomical <laughs> as to how much money Carlos Beltran made compared to Cora and Hinch. Uh, so, for my, in my opinion, for Carlos Beltran to be a manager, which he was set to be with the New York Mets, everything had to be smooth and, and it had to be the way he wanted it to be. 
I don't think he wants to face any of the questions that A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora have faced over the past 12 months, getting back into the game, the cheating scandals, everything that they had to, to, to stand in line and, and deal with with the media. It had to be really smooth and easy for Carlos Beltran to walk away from a beautiful life and retirement that he's earned through being a superstar baseball player for as many years as he was. So he made so much money. Once it became sticky at all, ah, he's out. So I I would be shocked to see him, if it wasn't with the New York Mets, being a manager with any of the 30 major league teams. That was the fit, and now it's not. And I just don't see it ever happening again for a guy that's made as much money as he made. Even a coach, though? Nah. Because of the money? Maybe in a a Barry Bond-esque way when Bonds was the hitting coach for a little while with the Marlins. And if you ever heard about how that arrangement was, Bonds wasn't grinding out every single meeting with the rest of the staff. He was kind of on his own hours, which, again, I don't blame you when you're being coached. Everything's a negotiation. We're learning that right now with the lockout. If you want me to be a hitting coach, I'm not going to be there at noon every single day. I need a little bit of a balance. I like playing golf. I'm very bonds, right? Uh, so for Carlos Bill trying to take a role like that, we have to be on his terms, which sure. he's earned. He's earned that. Greg, I can't wait for baseball to get back in action for several reasons, but there's going to be a big flurry of activity once everything gets back up in action. And I was reading a piece this morning about different landing spots for Chris Bryant. What do you think would be a good fit for him? I'm a big fan of the whole idea of him going to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, He's great friends with Bryce Harper, both kids from Vegas. Uh, he's going to want to go mash. And if you look at numbers, which I think this stuff matters, and just like I said, I'm just coming full circle. There are some golf courses that just you don't play well at, right? You, just, you don't perform. It doesn't play to your eye. Look at his numbers and his career at Citizens Bank Park. He has put up gaudy numbers in Philadelphia. He likes the yard, man. The hitter's eye, it plays to him. So Chris Bryant has had a lot of success there. They need a right-handed bat to go behind Bryce Harper. I love JT Real Muto, but that's too much pressure to put on a catcher. I just think it is. And he's already giving you more than you could ever expect from an everyday guy behind the plate. So I, I think Chris Bryant to Philadelphia, when you see the New York Mets continue to man up, the Atlanta Braves looking for back-to-back titles, I would love to see Chris Bryant go to Philly, which doesn't, doesn't match his personality. It really doesn't. The Chicago Cubs, that was, that was a media market that was a little too big for Chris. In a perfect world, he would love to go to San Diego, but the Padres don't have any room for him. Although, who knows, A.J. Preller could make some room for him. I mean, he's a very outside-the-box GM. But I think Philadelphia, he would really put together a strong seven- or eight-year run with Bryce Harper. Greg, on February 17th, Ozzy Smith is going to reassemble the infield from the 1982 World Champion Cardinals. This will be the 40th anniversary of the Cardinals winning that 82 World Series. So Obi and Ozzy and her and Hernandez are going to be at Ballpark Village on February 17th at 7 o'clock. Tickets available, by the way, at ozzyandfriends.com to benefit PGA Reach here in St. Louis. In my opinion, that infield is the best defensive infield of all time. What's your opinion? Whoa, of all time. Well, if you start with the best defensive first baseman and the best defensive shortstop of all time, you've you got a pretty good, a good head start. start. I agree with you. I agree. Now, I, I think catching matters, too, when it comes to infield. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that communication with the shortstop, with the second baseman, uh, the, you know, the snap throws, there have been some really good defensive infields. Um, man, that's a tough one. I, I, look, I, 
yeah, I, you can't you can't overlook Ozzy and Keith Hernandez and what they did. You you really cannot. But there've been some. There, I mean, I'm just going back this past year with the Atlanta Braves had. How many games did that infield play together? How how many games did they all play over 150 games? Well, we saw with the Braves this year. I don't know if we're ever going to see it again. To see right. 150 plus games from Austin Riley, from Dansby Swanson, from Ozzy Albies, and from Freddie Freeman. I mean, that is that's ridiculous in the modern game. So to get that consistency, I mean, maybe they did. Did they all play over 150 games? They may have done that. Yeah, they did. So if they, if they did, I mean, I don't know how you beat. Ken Overfeld really played over 150 games this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive. And Tommy Herr, Ryan Sandberg was the guy then. There's no doubt about it. But Tommy Herr was, for all of those years during the 80s, he was the second best defensive second baseman in the National League. If, if it's not yeah. if it's not for Sandberg, Herr is winning the gold glove every year. And was Sandberg really the guy? Honestly, only because of his range. I think he was. You think he was? I, see, I, in the, I in that era. Range. I don't think he had. I think he, I think, I don't know if you guys, I, I think Ryan Sandberg got the balls that he could get to on his feet. We did not see Ryan Sandberg diving all over the infield. We saw other acrobatic second basemen over the years, but I mean, I love Ryan Sandberg. Don't get me wrong. Big dude. But I, I'm, I have a hard time saying that Ryan Sandberg, I mean, you compare the highlights of Ryan Sandberg to my friend Harold Reynolds playing second base. So Harold was a shortstop playing second base. Yeah. I never viewed Ryan Sandberg that way. No. Like you, you couldn't take Ryan Sandberg and put him at shortstop, Sand- in my opinion. He actually started as a shortstop, and they had to move him to second base. Sandberg was one of those guys. He was m- not as big, obviously. He was more Ripken-esque because he, he didn't have to dive for balls. He he was pretty smooth, and he had pretty good range. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a good – I'm not saying he was a bad player. I just – I don't think he had the the crazy range that everyone said. I, I And I, I've got people in my camp. This will be a game. Next week, I will give you the laundry list of players at second base that I thought were better defensive players than Ryan Sandberg. Something to talk about. It'll be fun. Yeah, and by the way, OB, 137 games played in 1982 for the Cardinals. Yes, I was wondering if he played over 150 games. That's pretty close. And he was yeah. a very good defensive third baseman, no doubt about it. But who would you take, him or Terry Pendleton? Oh, I, I would take, I would take Pendleton. But by the time Terry got here, Hernandez was gone. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. It, and Jack Clark was nowhere near Keith Hernandez. <laughs> no, no, they they were remarkable. They were amazing. And it'll be fun to have him here in town. It's great that Ozzy's getting everybody all all together again at Ballpark Village. Greg, it's always great to have you with us. Yeah, that was fun. I'm going to text Ozzy and see if I can get tickets because I know McLaughlin's not going to hook me up. <laughs> we'll work on that. And by the way, Whitey is going to be there and Joe Buck is going to be the uh, MC. Oh, my goodness. Star-studded class. I'm into this. I'll, I'll try to make my way there. Love it. Hey, have a, uh, let's see. Next, uh, Are you going to do next Wednesday with us? We're off. Why I'm, not? Okay. Well, yeah, our next yeah. Wednesday or Thursday. We'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, you have your agent. Contact my agent. We'll work it out. (laughs) You got it, my man. You're the best, Greg. Have a a fantastic weekend. All right. See you guys. See you, brother. Take care. The great Greg Amzinger of MLB Network joining us on 101 ESPN. Isn't it amazing that you guys are talking about golfing in December? It is unbelievable. And that's (laughs) one of the things we were saying the other day being out on the course. It's, It's crazy that we have had as many nice December golfing days as we have had. And, yeah, if, if that 54-degree day is sunny, I, I very well could get out there. It might happen. You never know. That is Michelle.
I am Randy. Danny is here. And next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Your text, 65780, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, and Andrew. And I want Andrew to weigh in here because he's a, he's a youngin among our group. He, he's a younger, youngin. And uh, this report, apparently official, from the Tony Geats Morning Show in Michigan. Golfer John Daly spent an absurd amount of money on Taco Bell while he was drunk. $446.10 on Taco Bell via Uber Eats. Oh, my God. $446.10. Take How many people leave were with him, though? I'm assuming that, the whole 446 see, was not for him. Well, apparently it was. Come on. But that, that was going to be my take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. If you had a group of 10 friends, you and nine friends, group of 10 people, you could put together a Taco Bell bill of $446. You and nine others. So forty-six bucks or $44.60 a piece. What do you think uh, Soft Taco goes for? A couple bucks? Dollar sixty-nine. Wow, for 10 people to spend that kind of... No, leave it. No way. Although it depends how many cocktails they decide to have, probably. Even, even if you had a ton of cocktails, that sum for Taco Bell is outrageous. Yeah. We can see the really top of the receipt. There were five grilled That's cheese awesome. burritos that cost $22.15. <laughs> 10 crunchy taco supremes that cost $28.70. Now, remember, he was drunk. Uh, ten spicy <laughs> double steak grilled cheese were seventy seven ninety. Wow, that's pretty expensive. So, uh, Andrew, what do you think? Could you uh, and nine friends pull this off and eat everything? Four forty six ten. I think so. I don't know about eating all of it, but I think we could pull it off, yeah, especially we if we were, you know, not sober. So, let me ask you this though. I may have you on a technicality here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Randall. Um, so maybe the Taco Bell was uh, a long ways away, and it's part of the Uber bill? No, they've got the receipt here, and it says... Uh, you know it, what I'm saying? Yeah, it, I could see that, but I don't believe that's the case. No, this is... Uh, that's impressive. Yeah, this is really impressive. John but, Daly, uh, a hero. I played uh, golf with a couple buddies last week, and they got to be a part of the Ascension Charity Classic and the, uh, the Pro-Am. Mm-hmm. They were paired with John Daly. They said it was... Fantastic. They said he was awesome. Pound and Diet Coke, he's got his heaters, and conversation to boot. He said he was just like, couldn't have been any better. And he said, actually, you know, whatever you think of John and, and mm-hmm. smoking and drinking his Diet Coke, but as far as being a representative of, you know, trying to sell the game and being a good guy yeah. for the Ascension Charity oh. Classic, they said he was just awesome. He's unbelievable. And what he does is he drives a, uh, a camper around the country. Yep. And he has friends in every city, and he just parks his camper in their driveways. Well, he needs to get a friend at Taco Bell to hook him up with one of those cards yeah. that get you free Taco Bell for life. Oh, that, good idea, yeah. You know? I'll tell you what, that was one of the hardest things to watch when he was coming back and was trying to get sober. And remember, he was shaking mm-hmm, at the right. British Open? Yeah. That was hard to watch. Definitely. And I, I just, I pull for him. I think he's a, a, a great story. I had Taco Bell actually a few days ago. 
It was only $10, and I had probably six wow. items. Right. This and is what I I'm wanted to throw up after. Yeah. It was it was crazy. It was only ten bucks though. And I had like six different items. I get it for my family of four and twenty two dollars, uh, max twenty two bucks, and that's with drinks and stuff. Yeah. Like that's the what are the what are the Mountain Dew things they have? The, the Baja Blast. Yeah. There you go. Patrick gets those. Gotta get Netflix the frozen one though. Yeah. Oh, nice. No doubt. Okay, so um, speaking of things to eat, I want to talk about what Carson Wentz gave his offensive lineman for Christmas. He hooked him up. So he got him gift baskets. For every offensive lineman, two Yeti coolers, a Yeti water bottle, some bourbon, and some meats from the Wagyu shop. And a lot of these guys were posting this on social media. It says, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal from Deuce. Number two, Carson Wentz. Take it or leave it. Pretty nice gift for his offensive lineman. Totally take that. Well, now, Some guys go the Rolex route at the end of the year. But just... Just for Christmas. This is just for Christmas, not the end of the year gift. I think that's pretty nice. I think even if you were like an offensive lineman and you're 330 pounds, you're like, yeah, the Rolex is nice, but uh, those meats, right. some bourbon. Yeti cooler. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might go, go with that instead of the, right. uh, the Rolex. All right. Take it or leave it. Charlie Lindgren starts tonight. Take it. Take it. Take it. Thigh burns. Love him. All right, what do we have on the text line, Andrew? Andrew. Uh, from the 618, take it or leave it. Baseball should institute a replacement-style league if the lockout delays the season. We have been there and done that. That doesn't work. I'm going to leave it. Actually, played with a couple guys that wound up being the oh, yeah. uh, guys that did that. Yeah, we're going to leave that. Later. Can you imagine? So Joe Torrey, who was one of the four goers of the baseball union, and Bob Gibson had to manage some of those yep. guys in 1995. And any time you have a player that was involved with the union, it's going to be bad. And then can you imagine how those guys would be treated by a guy like Scherzer once he shows up in camp? No, it's not going to, not going to be great. From the 314, take it or leave it. Herbert versus Mahomes is the next Brady versus Manning, not Mahomes and someone else. I'll take that. That's good. I like that. Herbert, a lot. Mahomes, Same division. Brady, Manning. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. If last night was any indicator, it was a, that was a fun game. I, I, uh, I wish Kyler Murray was part of that conversation because I'd throw him in there. He, mm-hmm. That kid is so much fun to watch. Yeah, he is. Wow. Great player. Take it or leave it from the 314. Jay Bomeister is the biggest loss in St. Louis sports in the last decade. Well, it's still 2021. So Albert. So Albert would be, uh, <laughs> although we are we over 10 going. years yeah. now. It's over 10 years. Okay, yeah. I guess, yeah, it was Because it was early December. Okay, right? so Bo more than Petro? Yeah. See, that's Maybe. I We don't give him enough credit, Bo Meester, for how important he was in that Stanley Cup run. You didn't realize it at the time. Right. And now we're seeing it. I mean, to me, what the Blues need, it's a really good team. And it's going to be fun. I think they're going to make a run. I just have a feeling they're they going to make too. a run this year. But yeah. I, I still think they're... They need to get a defenseman. Bo or an NFL team? Bo. Because <laughs> he loved us back. NFL team. Yeah. I'm going to leave call well, Randall. Bo, because in the in the decade the past decade that we're talking about, he brought us a good product and a championship. See, yes, he did. <laughs> Can't say that for, for the NFL team. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. And uh, by the way... I didn't get to this one because I had to get to the John Daly story. But Cayman, Nebraska, who uh, is the <laughs> one who, uh, who 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 was uh, flirting with Urban Meyer. She's being apparently by neighbors and friends blamed for Urban Meyer getting fired. Did she kick the kicker? 
She did, did not kick ne- the kicker. Did Cayman, Nebraska call his assistant coaches losers? Well, she was just sidling up to him, trying to get some plays. Yeah, let's, let's not blame Cayman, Nebraska for Urban Meyer. Great name. It's a, it sounds fake. It it's an incredible does. name. Pretty amazing. All right, that is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Coming up, will the Cardinals move fast once this lockout is done? Are they going to go out and get the players that we think they should get? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnooks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. It's 8.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we hope that the lockout in Major League Baseball will end sooner rather than later. But one thing that is going to happen is that there's still nearly 300 free agents on the market and teams are going to have to fill spots. Before the lockout, John Mozalock said, hey, we still want to do some work on our bullpen. You would think that they want to do some work on their bench. Now they've got a perfect opportunity to get everybody in the office and decide who the perfect fit is among the players that are remaining for the Cardinals. If, if I'm the Cardinals, and I don't think they'll do this, by the way, because they seem to be... Uh, not cautious, but they seem to be deliberate in the way they approach a market. But if I were the Cardinals, I'm making offer to about five guys as soon as I'm allowed. I, I think they should move fast, but I don't think they will. Why don't you think they will? Because they are so deliberate and a player... I, I, what I would do if I were in the shoes of any major league team, if I, I'm going to have a deadline... So I'm going to go to players and say, okay, I'll give you X dollars for X term. You have two hours to make up your mind. Well, depending on when the bell sounds and when this ends, you could have a pretty short window of time to get guys that you're interested in signed before they need to report to camp or whatever is going to happen. You could... I I imagine that a lot of teams, it's going to look like those videos back in the day of people waiting for Black Friday sales. And once the doors open, everybody rushes in. Mm -hmm. That's what I imagine the phone lines to look like once baseball's lockout ends. Because everyone is doing their due diligence during this time. Everyone has their targeted players. And I just imagine as soon as the green flag is up, it's go time. Could be kind of fun. I think it's going to be super fun. I think we're going to see a really big flurry of activity right away. Just like we uh, saw before the the deadline hit. Um, I'm with Randy. I I would think that they look at maybe a veteran for the bullpen. um, And then I'd be fascinated to know what their stance is on their bench. You know, do do you go with the young kids? Do you feel that they're ready? Or do you... And there's some good names. I've seen the free agents that are still out there. But... um, do you go out and uh, address your bench with veterans? So that's the one of the questions they have to answer. And we'll probably have a DH at the conclusion of this negotiation. And again, Dan, you, you wonder about kids. Are they going to go with Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes as their DH? Are they going to rotate the DH? Do they go get a guy that's established at the position like a Kyle Schwarber? And the other thing is, they signed Mats. I still think they need to have another starting pitcher because I'm not convinced that all of these guys are going to be able to stay healthy. I'm, uh, I wish I could be convinced that Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis were going to be able to stay healthy. I wish a 40, I could be convinced that a 40-year-old Adam Wainwright is going to be able to give me 32 starts. I'm not. 
But out of all those guys, don't you feel the most comfortable about Adam Wainwright, which is insane to think about? But don't you think every team feels that way about their pitching staff? Because that's just what we see in baseball these days is guys dealing with injuries time and time again. So I'm with you. I think the more depth you can have from a pitching standpoint, the better off you're going to be. And the thing was, we thought last year, we thought the Cardinals had 10 starting pitchers, but (laughs) Oviedo wasn't ready and they never did bring up Libertor. Uh, Woodford was... He was fine, but they didn't start him much. There just wasn't enough depth there. John Gant blew up. There, there just wasn't enough there. So I'd like to see them get a guy that you say, okay, he can be my sixth starter. I can have him in my bullpen. I just want that guy in case I need that guy. I think John Gant just signed with a team in Japan, by yeah, the way, this, this past week. Um, Larger strike zone there. The uh, well, you better hope. Um, <laughs> man, there needed to be a larger strike zone at time this year. Yeah, I can tell you that. Um, you know, the guy I, I'm just fascinated and I, I just cannot wait to watch him. And I'm gonna assume that he's going to get a major league invite to spring training is Jordan Walker. Yeah, yeah, I cannot wait to watch this young man play. I've heard guys so much about him, and I, I was probably telling you about this time last year how much i was hearing about him and it wasn't really catching on with the the national pundits and you know people were like yeah i heard about him i know he's a top pick you know see how it goes i i just hear he checks like every box Mm -hmm. every like okay is he a good kid like beyond good kid um how's he into the media unbelievably uh can he run runs incredibly well how's his arm oh best infield arm that they have like he and oh how does he hit well and as it was told to me by some th- there was oscar Tavares, albert Pujols, and jordan and walker him. i mean that's how highly thought of he is so when you think about the dh randy um and if you went out and signed a guy for a multi-year contract i i just wonder what the cardinals appetite is to do that if you have this young man coming and gorman coming and if you believe in yepes are you better off with those kids? And again, it's a risk, right? You don't know what they're going to do at the major league level, or are you better off in investing well, a lot of money in a guy that can swing the bat? It's going to be a buyer's market, so you just find a, a guy on a one-year contract. Last year, Kyle Schwarber and J- uh, Jock Peterson were on one-year deals. So you, you find that one-year deal and allow Walker to spend a year at AAA and be ready, and then you can dump that guy from the books the year after. I wonder if Jock Peterson becomes just a mercenary now in his career. I could career. see that. You know, yeah. just, hey, you need that left-handed guy that, that provides power. He, uh, By all accounts, it's kind of fun to have around in the clubhouse. Yeah. And yeah. if you needed it, if a guy got hurt, play every day. Yeah. Proven winner. Yeah. Right. The guys I would like to see, and I know they've already been in touch with Archie Bradley and Joe Kelly, if they would circle back to those guys. Ian Kennedy has really had a nice career now as a reliever. Once yeah. he was taken out of the of a rotation, and he's been a guy that's been bouncing around on one-year deals. I think Ian Kennedy would be a, an interesting fit in the Cardinal bullpen. I wonder what teams look at Joe Kelly as. So if you need to close games out, he could do that. And are they comfortable with his health and what they saw at the end of the season? Remember when he went to the Dodgers Signed a pretty big deal. First year, he was not healthy. And then after that, he was lights out. Yep. Um, he was one of the better relievers the Cardinals saw this season. Um, and we saw him at the tail end of the year. He was throwing hard and was dominant. He was really good. In regards to the young guys you were talking about, you mentioned Jordan Walker, Matthew Libertor was another na- name that was thrown around. I still wonder how much Randy Rosarena residue there is and how much 
the Cardinals are still focused on knowing who they have internally and giving those guys more of an opportunity, even if they don't know if they're super ready because they want to see what they have in those guys. Well, I, I would say it this way. It wouldn't be that they're going to leave the – I wouldn't think th those guys are leaving the organization. So yeah. let them continue to develop, and then when they feel like they're ready to go, they'll be, they'll be here. That's the way I would look at it. But I wouldn't see them – I think they're going to hold on to some players as opposed to what happened. And, and you know, like we always say, let's let the Libertor end of this trade pan out. Let's mm -hmm. see what happens. We just, right now, it's it's certainly in Tampa Bay's favor. I've got him in my bullpen for 2022. I've got Libertor as my third lefty reliever. And then graduate towards rotation the following year. Exactly yeah. what Wayno did in 2006. Yeah. I mean, ideally, that's what the Cardinals have done with a lot of their young talent, pitching-wise. Carlos Martinez. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah. I mean, even going back to, like, Matty Moe and, right. you know, some of those guys. They start in the bullpen, get their feet wet, then graduate towards the uh, – the uh, rotation. Dakota Hudson did that too. Yeah, great point. Hopefully we'll be talking about real things rather than speculating about what might be after a lockout. Hopefully there is an end to a lockout. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Next up, stick around for You're Killing Me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis. They sell the most, so you can save the most. It's time for... Well, the fallout continues for Urban Meyer. We talked about this a little bit yesterday about what his future might look like. Doesn't seem like he's going to get an, another NFL job, but could he land somewhere else in college? Well, Paul Feinbaum, obviously very tight in on the college football scene. He was on with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio yesterday, and he was asked, hey, Paul, do you think Urban is going to coach in college football again? Not a chance. And, and anyone who wants to write a speculative piece today about you know, where could Urban end up, the answer <laughs> is nowhere, Max. This man is dead professionally, and he did it to himself. And you, know, you, can, you can talk about uh, the most spectacular flameout in, in NFL or, or, or coaching history, but it, it was easily predictable. I remember sitting with you guys in January when, 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 this, when, uh, when Shad Khan hired him. <laughs> I, I don't know how Shad Khan became a billionaire not being able to listen to common sense. Uh, he could have called any of us or anyone else uh, with, with, a, with, with, you know, with a sense of sensibility and, and told him exactly what would happen. It, it happened a little later than I thought, although, frankly, I thought it probably should have happened four or five games into it when, when, when Urban started to show his, his, his colors. And, and in the end, uh, this was very predictable. And, and I, I, I really cannot imagine a major school. I, I just can't. How do you, how, if you're the athletic director, how do you walk down the hallway to your president and, and say, hey, I got a great idea. I think we ought to hire Urban Meyer. And the person, and the man or woman goes, is that the guy that was was at the bar with the woman? Is that the guy who allegedly kicked the player? Is that the guy who treats people like dirt? Is that the guy who who barely shook hands with one of his own players after an NFL game? Forget it. It sounds like a career that's dealing with some urban blight. Well, you'd have to convince said president that uh, we're going to have to overlook the 31 arrests of players when he was at Florida. 
Uh, we're going to have to overlook that when he was at Ohio State, the assistant coach that had an alleged history of domestic abuse. Uh, that I hope he knew he, about. Right. Uh, hopefully you didn't watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Um, oh, by the way, he flamed out in the NFL and kick, all the other things. Kicked a player. And but, hired a bunch of coaches that he thought were losers. But if you want to win, we can give it a try. I, know. I, I don't close the door on it. I don't either. And even though the door should be firmly shut and then probably have cement poured over it so that it can't be open again, I just know that this is not what he wants his legacy to be. He's going to want to come back. He knows he can coach at the college level. Do I think it's going to work this time around? Probably not because the book is firmly out on him and players have a lot more power than they do now. And a big-time microscope is going to be on him if he ever does come back. But, and- but do I think a college pro program four years from now might want to open that door again you better believe it he's a winner he's won has anybody looked at what happened with rick patino have you i mean have you looked at some of the things bobby petrino bobby petrino's coaching in missouri Hugh, state Hugh Freeze just got like four million dollars right so no i i don't close the door on him no i i think and i don't think it happens next year probably not the year after the dust will have to settle He'll have to do some type of, um, I don't know what he would have. You know, I've done some introspective look at my life and my career and who I am and I'm improving and this is why I'm improving and all that, yada, yada, yada. And somebody out there desperate enough that wants to win on the college level will give him a shot. And one thing about him, if you watch the video from after game four, Pretty, you know, what, a minute, minute and a half? So that's a a pretty long and sustained thing with her. Rick Pitino was only 15 seconds. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls! Are you talking about came in Nebraska? He didn't. She had clothes on. You know, coming up at 8, let's see, it's 8.23 in seven minutes. We've got the fight. Uh, Randy won that yesterday and then jack watkins at 8 45 from the missouri valley conference the nine o'clock hour some really good guests uh jay delsing talking golf uh there's a lot of news on tiger there uh, is in fact news on tiger 9 30 we can uh, don't go down his road i won't uh 9 30 is Andrew. joey right. vitale transition again. we'll have the crossover well you know Ur- urban might have the world against him but there's someone in his corner and that's his daughter Gigi, his daughter took to instagram on her account Gigi meyer fit and posted these on her Instagram story. The first slide says, the spirit of the enemy is in full force battle mode in this world and in people. This is war. But like I said, we all know who wins in the end. Prayer hands emoji, cross emoji. She then says the enemy, AKA the world, really doesn't want to see good people win. And you can argue whether my dad is a good person or not based on what you see in the media. Super reliable source of info, as we know. Anyone who truly knows us know how incredible he is as a person and the world hates any platform we have. So he's going to create chaos to destroy it. Little does he know he's making it stronger. It's not over. Keep watching. And then she says, what a bully and shows photos of Urban Meyer hugging a lot of his players. There was one that she didn't put in there of him hugging Aaron Hernandez, who is, by all accounts, kind of a bully. Kind of? Yeah, I'd say so. Well, what happened was Hernandez had just dropped a pass. 
And Urban went over, put his arm around him, and said, hang in there, Aaron. Randy. Crossover includes what I have at 9 o'clock. You're killing me, Small. So uh, let's talk about college athletics. So Tom Brady has an apparel company, and it's now sponsoring college athletes. So Tom Brady getting into the NIL action. He signed nine college athletes to be endorsers of his brand, including Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara. So Tom Brady getting into the NIL game and um, constantly just evolving on the business side of things. It's really interesting. I think it's brilliant on his part to sell his clothing and when and if he ever retires. He'll have a host of potential NFL players that are wearing his gear and kind of like Michael Jordan, his legacy will continue because of the things that he he built while he was playing. Do you see uh, Tom Brady going into television at all? You know what? If if I do, it's something that, like the Manning cast that he'll have control over. I agree. I don't yeah. see him in a booth or anything like I that. Don't I see him wanting something that's pre-recorded, edited, that he has final say over. I yeah. that's where I'm going to, and I think and he's way, doing some of that stuff now no. to kind of you know exactly. ingratiate himself into that portion of the business. Yeah, but his yeah, image he, is so controlled that I imagine he wants well, to remain yeah. in control. And, you, and you're on live television. Yes. You know, things can happen and players can get mad at you. I don't know if he really wants to deal with that. No and controversy. The coaches. Yeah, just let me do my thing and move on. And and to your point, control the message. He's a businessman. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I see him doing more of I'm going to open a lot of TB12 centers across the yeah, country. That and kind of thing. my show is going to be me getting the pliability movement to sweep America. I I think Randy's on it, too. I think you could brand the TB12 thing with your shoes, your shorts, your T-shirts, your whatever, you know. I don't know, though, because MJ10, Mac Jones, has his new apparel company. That's right around the corner. So I don't know if TB12 can compete. And Mac Jones might come up with an ice cream that is actually flavorful. You know what he should do is make MJ10 the antithesis of TB12. That would be very funny, wouldn't it? It should be steaks. Ice cream, yeah. burgers, cigars, yeah, cigars, <laughs> cigars, energy drinks. Don't get sleep, yeah. energy drinks. It, it'd be like the the John Belushi coming out on Saturday Night <laughs> yeah. Live when he's the track athlete. I have a donut every great. day, and he's sitting there with a with a smoke, you know, yeah. talking about. That's what Mac Twelve or Ten, whatever. MJ Ten. MJ Ten. Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. And thanks for joining us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we have the fight. Yes. Here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It's the Friday edition of The Fight here on Carriker and Smallman with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Dan, are you ready to welcome in Randy's competition this morning? This is Gabe. Hello, Gabe. Hi, Dan. Michelle, how are you both doing? We're doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy? I am. Let's do it. All right, Gabe. Here you go. Question number one. Good luck to you. Everyone remembers Pat Maroon's Game 7 winning goal against the Stars in the 2019 Western Conference Semifinal. Who scored the first goal for the Blues in that game? Was it David Perron, Vince Dunn, or Pat Maroon? Oh, man. Uh, Let's go with Vince Dunn. 
1996, Ozzie Smith forced to share the shortstop role with which player? Luis Alisea, Royce Clayton, or Delino DeShields? Uh, Royce Clayton. Question number three for Gabe. Nicknamed the Big Easy, this multi-sport playing golfer turned pro in 1989. He won the U.S. Open in 1994 and 1997. Who is this South African golfer? I feel like I'm on Jeopardy. Was it Gary Player, Nick Price, or Ernie Els? I believe it was Ernie Els. The Deflategate story was broken by a reporter based in which city? Indianapolis, Baltimore, or Denver? Deflategate, you said? Yes, Deflategate. Uh, Deflategate. I believe that was in Indianapolis. Chickens. Wow. Score. Good wow. fight from Gabe. Nice work, Gabe. <laughs> Randy's got his Thank ugly you. Christmas sweater on. <laughs> We're bringing him in. Randy, Come on in, Randall. Get all settled in here. Love that sweater. Oh, you can hear him coming. Oh, you can let's hear get him the, jingling. Get the holiday uh, jingle bells on. Randy, jingle bells, jingle say good morning bells. to Gabe. Gabe, good morning. How you doing? Good, Randy. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Sure. Are you ready, sir? Ready. Question number one for Randy. Everyone, of course, remembers Pat Maroon's Game 7 winning goal against the Stars in the 2019 Western Conference semifinal. Mm-hmm. But who scored the first goal for the Blues in that game? Ah, this is a good question. Ooh, uh, Andrew on the board this morning. We were mm-hmm. uh, we were at, at this game. We were. Ben Bishop was unbelievable, made 52 saves. Wasn't that after he had a Colton Pareko shot to the clavicle? And we didn't in the even previous game, know yeah. if he was going to play, and then yeah. he was lights out? Unbelievable. Yep. And I thought, man, when Vince Dunn scored, I thought, okay, it's going to be a floodgate here. But it wasn't. He was great. Vince Dunn. So Dunn. your answer is Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn scored the Blues' first goal in that 2-1 game. This is a tough one for you, Randy. Mm-hmm. In 96, Ozzie Smith was forced to share the shortstop role with which player? Think hard about it. It's a tough one. Uh, it wasn't Trip Cromer. You were going to go with Homer Cromer? Yeah, but I don't think it was him. I will go with Royce Clayton. Mm, okay. Question number three. Nicknamed the Big Easy, this multi-sport playing golfer turned pro in 1989. It would be uh, Ernie Els. Okay. Do you want to hear the rest of it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's hear it. He won the U.S. Open in 94 and 97. Who is this South African golfer? Ernie Els. Okay. <laughs> the Deflate Gate story was broken by a reporter based in which city? This is a good one. I will go with the uh, the lifeline here. Indianapolis. Could be. Baltimore. Probably not. Denver. I would say that it would likely be Indianapolis, seeing as the Colts were victimized by Deflate Gate. Oh, oh no, no, no. Oh, hold on. Um... So were the Ravens. I'm going to go Baltimore. <laughs> because it was that stupid, uh, the, the little stupid uh, Julian Edelman touchdown pass to Danny Amendola with little Edelman's little paws. So it was, it was Baltimore. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. This was an incredible fight with a dramatic finish on a Friday. Does Randy keep the streak alive or is Gabe our victor? Andrew, ring the bell. The winner and new champion.
fan of the fight. Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Taking people behind the curtain here. Gabe got all four correct. Randy got all three correct. We get to the final question. You Randy, had three and a half, really, there, Randy? Randy had yeah. the answer, and then he changed it to the oh, wrong answer. I thought he was trying to trick me. On question number four, Handing gave the victory. Congratulations, Gabe. Thank you. I'm, um, I can't believe it. <laughs> Good job. Oh, my goodness. So Gabe defeats Randy four to three. So we go back to game seven of the Western Conference semifinal. Blues and Stars. Vince Dunn gets the Blues on the board first in that game. Royce Clayton was the uh, shortstop that shared a little time there with Ozzy in 96. The South African golfer, nicknamed the Big Easy, that won the U.S. Open in 94 and 97, was Ernie Els. Now, on this final question, because I think it could be debatable. Now, we're going to go with Indianapolis, but I don't even know. I I always find it hard to figure out, like, who broke it first and, you know what I mean? But uh, apparently this is... I guess in stone. Well, it was a, yeah, it was a. De- uh, Deflate Gate was broken by a reporter based in which city? It was Indianapolis. The story was broken by Bob Kravitz, a reporter for Indianapolis TV station WTHR. And what had happened was the Ravens had gone to the Colts mm-hmm. and said, hey, they're deflating the balls. Uh, the, the Patriots are deflating the balls. So, uh, yeah, good job by Bob Kravitz. Are you. Uh, you all right, or what, what's going on here? No, I'm devastated. This is going to ruin my entire holiday season, Dan. I can't believe you lost while wearing that sweater. I know. I feel bad about it. You are a little upset. The, let's just admit it. Come on. I had it, Dan. I had it in you my did. hand, and I just I snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Yes, you did. You should have gone with the your first feeling. I, I should have. I have to tell you, I was sitting on the edge of my chair. I was like, no, he's not yeah. changing his answer right now. And you that? did. That's what happens when you get a final answer. I don't know if Gabe is still with us, but Gabe, congratulations. If you are, we're going to talk to you on Monday. You're coming back to defend your title. Awesome. I'm excited. And uh, I was afraid it was going to go to the tiebreaker, and I'm terrible at those. So I got lucky today. <laughs> you did. Hey, you weren't as bad as Adam as I am. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Thanks, Gabe. Have a good weekend, Gabe. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Hey, one of the great events on the St. Louis sports calendar is Arch Madness, which is coming up in March. And tickets for Arch Madness go on sale today. We're going to talk to Jack Watkins, Associate Commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, and one of the great events on the St. Louis sports calendar is Arch Madness. And this year, it'll take place March 3rd through 6th at Enterprise Center. Joining us right now is Associate Commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, Jack Watkins, because tickets go on sale for Arch Madness actually this morning at 10 a.m. Jack, great to have you with us here. How are you doing this morning? Randy, I'm doing great. And Michelle and Danny, I hope you guys have a great weekend. It's a fun time. With the start of our ticket sales and the bragging rights game next week, talking about a sporting event on the hardwoods always a good thing. Absolutely, Jack. Well, the Missouri Valley Conference tournament is one of the great things on the St. Louis sports calendar. I looked it up. I believe it started in 1991. How has this tournament grown since its inception? Well, Michelle, you ask a really good question. Uh, you know, the first year we were at Old Keel Auditorium, uh, we drew 20,000 people. Then the next three years we were at the st louis arena in 92 we actually drew 
18,000 people total. But a turning point for the tournament where it really grew legs was the 93 tournament. Southern Illinois won the first of its three consecutive conference tournaments, and that was my first year with the league. We drew 10,000 people for the title game between SIU and Illinois State, and Doug Elgin, our former commissioner, and Joe Mitch, our former tournament manager, they're almost in tears. And for those that go back to Arch Madness at that time, there was a big black curtain that blocked out 8,000 seats. And I'm like, why are you guys so happy? I go, we've got 8,000 empty seats behind that curtain. They go, that's why you were hired. Go fill them. The embrace by St. Louis, where we, we went from a year-to-year event to a multi-year agreement, whether it was with the arena or with Enterprise Center uh, and the St. Louis community, both our fan base, our alumni base, as well as corporate community, have all embraced our event. And that's, that's really how we've grown as one. Well, we should have introduced Jack Watkins as Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, too. True. Good point. Yeah, you know. Congratulations, <laughs> uh, Jackson, on the honor. It's well-deserved and long overdue for everything you've done for, for basketball, the Valley, and certainly here in, in St. Louis. I, I'm curious, um, from an economic standpoint and why people should get behind this, whether you're an alum or not, but just what Arch Madness brings economically to our town for that weekend. How, how big is it into the millions? You know, Danny, well, first of all, thank you. It's very kind. Um, I, I think any time that someone wants to recognize you sh- should be, be humbled and embrace it. Um, and I certainly did um, and still do. You know, for Arch Madness, we did have meager beginnings, but now it's become an annual rite of passage on the calendar. Uh, it does occur in first quarter, a business coming, you know, the first quarter coming out of into the new year. Um, we've had certainly big attendances. We've had some that's not as big as others, but you know, in terms of direct out of town economic spending, it's, it's historically been between five to 6 million, which, you know, particularly coming out of a a global pandemic, uh, we're grateful that that we are going to operate under the rules that currently are in place at enterprise center for blues games in terms of proof of vaccination, negative tests and, uh, masking, but, but for us, we're so grateful that we're going to we're, we're going to operate with a with a full capacity, and I I know our fans are chomping at the bit. They, they, the the ticket sales on our campuses started in November, but we're very excited about the ticket sales starting here in St. Louis later this morning. And they start at 10 o'clock at the Enterprise Center box office, and then at noon via Ticketmaster. And one of the things, uh, Jack, that is interesting to me because I have a daughter that went to Bradley, and I have I know people in St. Louis from every Valley institution. I work with several, and I would have to believe that that really does benefit Arch Madness is having so many graduates of places like Loyola and Drake and SIU and Illinois State and Bradley and Missouri State, uh, Indiana State, Evansville, the other schools. You've got so many graduates here in town. Excellent point, Randy. Um, you know, we do not, our closest school is SIU Carbondale, uh, two hours away as a crow fly. Uh, you know, the, but, uh, you look at the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City prior to Missouri's departure for the SEC, uh, you had, you had, KU, 45 minutes away. K-State, a little less than two hours. Missouri, less than two hours. And Iowa State, just a, just a little under three hours. So, you know, they have, a, they have a great fan base there with a lot of alums. But so do we. And, and that's the great thing about it is people that attended our tournament as students that, that, that live in St. Louis 
again, they're, they're, a, they're a very important segment to what we do. And, the, you know, we get calls all the time about when they're when they're going when our tickets are going to go on sale locally. And and particularly since we were at such reduced capacity a year ago, there's there's been a renewed interest for our tournament this year for sure locally looking forward to it it's march 3rd through 6th at enterprise center again tickets available this morning at the enterprise center box office at 10 and if you want to wait till noon to get them on the internet you can at ticketmaster.com jack it's always great to hear your voice thanks for all you do not only for sports in the st louis area but in general for the st louis area we appreciate it and appreciate you taking some time with us this morning well thank you so much to the three of you for having me on we're we're grateful for our partnership with ESPN 101 and the friendships that we have in the three of you. Well, we appreciate you, too. Jack Watkins, he is uh, the associate commissioner of the St. Louis-based Missouri Valley Conference Arch Madness tickets on sale today. Michelle, Dan, Randy, coming up, we're going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing. Tiger is back this weekend. We're going to talk about how good he's been. No, we, we have decided what, what's going on. Isn't here. he a 9 uh, oh, yeah, it, uh, I've had the wrong thing. Yeah, should uh, the, here's the question. The Chiefs won last night. Mm. I wasn't looking at my clock. I was looking at the wrong thing. But That's we will right, talk Randy. to Jay coming yeah. up, though, which is so, exciting. Have you bought into the Chiefs? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by... Together Credit Union, here for St. Louis, here to help you achieve more with your money. Mahomes takes the snap at his right thigh, dumps it over the middle, caught by Kelsey at the 30, spins back up, hey, Kelsey at the 15-yard line, Kelsey at the 10-5, touchdown, Kansas City! In the biggest AFC West game in five years, the Chiefs put the hammer down with a 34-yard touchdown pass. Mahomes to Kelsey, and the Chiefs take a commanding two-game lead in the AFC West with a gutsy, gutsy, gutsy win in overtime. Mitch Holtus had the call last night on the Wolf 106.5 in Kansas City, and the Chiefs win it 34-28 in OT. It's Carriker, Smallman, and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN, and it's 901. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. After starting the season three and four, the Chiefs have won seven in a row, and if the playoffs started today, they would be the team with a bye in the AFC. New England would be the second seed, Tennessee, and Baltimore would be the uh, two, three, and four seeds, then the Chargers, Colts, and Bills. And a lot of people don't like the Chiefs for a lot of reasons here in St. Louis. They don't want to be bandwagon jumpers. They think, wrongly, I would add, that uh, Clark Hunt had a huge role in the Rams leaving St. Louis. But the question is, a lot of people in St. Louis just don't like Kansas City out of general principle. Have you bought into the Chiefs? Are you a Chiefs fan? 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. I personally have no emotional ties to Kansas City. I know it's in the same state that we're in, but it might as well be Toledo, Ohio, for all I'm, you know. It doesn't. It has no mm-hmm. connection to me. I grew up in Illinois. I have more of a connection to Chicago, but obviously 
being a St. Louis fan, Chicago's our rival, so I could never cheer for Chicago. So for me, the Chiefs are very entertaining to watch. When it's Mahomes and it's Hill and it's Kelsey, they're electric and they're fun to watch. But no, I don't have any emotional tie in them winning or losing a game or a Super Bowl. I like seeing them win. They have a partnership with the Blues, obviously. Yeah. Mahomes and Kelsey coming to, to the playoffs during the 2019 playoffs. So the, the Blues and Chiefs are kind of like, Either they're the state's hockey team and the the state's NFL team, but I'm like you, Michelle. I don't, I don't actually have an emotional attachment to any team in the NFL except the Dolphins. Well, that's true because they're our team. But I, I will say this: they're exceptionally fun to watch, and they have a quarterback that wins games for them. And I can see why somebody would hop on that bandwagon, especially because they're three three and a half hours down the road and. You you have access to them that you don't have to a lot of other good teams. Oh, you waiting for me? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't care. You don't have <laughs> no, you, you have, I have no zero attachment. emotional attachment no. to any NFL team. None. Best answer. I could. I, I don't care. No. I just want to see uh, if I'm going to spend time watching it. Um, my son loves the red zone because he uh, he's all over fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So just give me some good plays. Okay, great. Then I move on. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I think a lot of people Sorry, Randy. in St. Louis have, have, no. have probably tried to adopt a team that's out of market, but it's really hard when it's not your city that you're representing. I mean, we're really trying to be Dolphins yep. fans, but it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same as if it was in your city and it was something that you were revolving your life around. But there are a lot of people. We have a guy in our building, Donnie Fandango, who's... Life in the fall revolves around the Buffalo Bills. And Meat is a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. He's from the area there. So they're... But that preceded the Rams leaving. Right. For both of them. Right. But it, it never was about the city for them. The, 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 they were rooting for a team in their city. They were just... They found a team. And that's the way it is with most NFL teams. I mean, look at L.A. Look at last night. you got all these Chiefs fans at SoFi Stadium that aren't Chargers fans i may have to amend my statement oh just a little bit okay if i have an emotional attachment to any team it would be i if the if the steelers are on mm-hmm. i'll watch a little because I, I grew up loving the steelers i don't know why i did but i did i like the steelers so if they're on i'll watch them a little bit anybody mm-hmm. else eh, nah, yeah no i don't care uh from the 618 nah Green Bay. So there's a, a vote for Green Bay from the 314. Me and my son had to pick a team. And I said Indianapolis or Kansas City. And I was back. That was back when luck was still playing. And we chose Kansas City. And boy, did we get lucky. Go yeah, Chiefs. You, you really did get lucky. Uh, here's a typical St. Louis. And I, I like this. Typical St. Louis response from the 636. I still don't watch football since the Rams left. I think that a lot of people are in that boat. Or if they watch it, it's because they might have a little mm-hmm. skin in the game. Or it's just what's on. You know, like last night, if you're just a sports fan in general, even if you dislike the NFL, those two teams going head-to-head, those two quarterbacks, oh, it's a marquee matchup. I would think you would be intrigued in watching that game. Right. If you are a sports fan and, and you want to see competition, that was just great competition. Correct. From the 314, how can you not be a Chiefs fan now? One of the most exciting young quarterbacks, and they're in a championship window. If, if, if you've picked the Chiefs, that's not a problem at all. If you are somebody, for example, we've got uh, Titan Up. We've got a Titans fan. They aren't going to like the Chiefs at all. They haven't bought in. They bought into a different team. Yeah, it's just that good for those people. I envy those people. I wish that I couldn't wait for Sunday and I couldn't wait to turn on a game. 
And I know we like the Dolphins, and obviously we have a little bit of, a, of an attachment to them, but it's not the same. It's never going to be the same. No. But And I envy those people who have been able to find love in the, ra- the wake of the Rams leaving. Because for a lot of people, I think those feelings of attachment to their NFL team, they just kind of you know, went off into the ether. They just don't exist anymore. Yeah. I uh, found love with the Vikings. After the Rams left? After the Rams left. You did. And oh, part, once they got Kirk Cousins. Well, no, this is like when that. they had Teddy Two Gloves oh, still okay. on their team. And all my friends were like, well, you know, just know that you're going into a franchise full of, of losers. And I go, really? I just spent the last <laughs> 10 years of my life with a losing record with the Rams. So I think I'll fit right in. 314 says, I hate how the Chiefs owner tried to uh, or did not support St. Louis in the relocation. And is that a fact, Randall? That is not a fact. Okay. Actually, he was on record multiple times during the course of 2015 saying that he wanted another team in Missouri. He wanted the Rams to stay here. In the- I mean, we don't have the Governor's Cup now. What are we going to do? I know. Oh. Not great. Where's, yeah. Where, where's the other governor? Uh, that Vermeil said that the first year that uh, <laughs> I remember that. That's right. First year that he was the coach here. But here's what happened on that morning of uh, January 12th of 2016. They had a vote of the relocation committee, which included uh, Rooney from the Steelers, Mara from the Giants, Kraft from the Patriots, McNair from the uh, Texans, uh, Jerry Richardson from the Uh, Panthers at the time and Clark Hunt and there was a vote of those six people and the vote indeed was 5-1 in favor of the Carson project but Clark Hunt was taking more of a a, a 5,000 foot view rather than looking at the Carson project and the Inglewood project he said to the guys in the meeting he said guys LA is not going to support two teams. They are going to support one team, let alone two teams. Why should our business go to a place where we're going to where we're going to have two of our franchises not be supported? He was prescient. He he was correct. They wouldn't. They aren't supporting two teams. He had a bunch of his fans in the building last night, and then obviously once the Jerry Jones steamroller got rolling, then the only two franchises to vote against the move. It was a thirty to two vote. And Bob McNair wanted the Rams to stay in St. Louis. Jonathan Kraft wanted the Rams to St. Louis, as Dave Peacock told us uh, the day after the settlement. He had developed great relationships, and that group of people was on our side. But this is what happens in NFL owners' meetings. Once a steamroller gets going, then you're just going to get run over, so you might as well just vote with the group and make it look like you have a unified front. So that's what happened with Clark Hunt. No, but he, he did want the Rams to stay in St. Louis. You think deep down he did, though, knowing that he could get some of this market? He doesn't have any of this market. It, he, some people he, go across the state to go watch football. But, but they already did. It was people that started when Montana went there. Yeah. They sold out all their se- I tried to get season tickets when Montana went there. I went there to go see Montana play. Yeah. And yep. there's a ton of people that have driven across the state for 20 years. It never really became Rams fans. So this from the 636, the Chiefs had billboards up in St. Louis before the smoke of the moving vans cleared. Now, I was in Connecticut at that time. Is that true? Did no. The, did I, the Chiefs put up billboards in St. Louis? I never saw them. And the, the Chiefs said that we aren't going to market in St. Louis. I, I, I never saw those. They did work a deal with Channel 2 at the time to get their game shown. Or is it, no, no, Channel 4 has their, their preseason games. But I've never seen it. They don't need to sell season tickets. Why would they have a billboard up? Their, their t- season tickets are sold out. They don't need to sell tickets. 
sell other things, merchandise, to be Missouri, interest. Yeah. To be Missouri's NFL team. But what good does that do them? Yeah, but if they get St. Louis fans to jump on their bandwagon, that's a lot of people that might want to come to games and make the trip if it's not that far. But again, they sell out on a yeah they sell out on a season ticket basis. So people are I don't know why they would want to encourage people maybe just to make the trip so that they can help out the Kansas City economy. So this one's interesting from the three one four. Kansas City sucks. I traveled for years to KC listening to sports radio. They hate us, so I return the favor. Do you think people in Kansas City hate St. Louis? I think some of the sports radio people do, but it's a great town. I can't. I'm not going to judge Kansas City because a couple of their sports radio guys are idiots. I love going there when the Cardinals play. Yeah, it's a great it, time. It's, it's great fun. weekend. Yeah, you, you go down into the plaza and you enjoy yourself. And there's Cardinal fans and Royals fans. And the atmosphere in the ballpark, Kauffman Stadium, is beautiful with the renovations. I like the K. It's fun. Yeah, it's a neat place. They so really good I, snack I enjoy Kansas City. Funnel cake, funnel cake fries at the K. I don't know if they're still there, but when I went, very delicious. Here's one from the 314. Chiefs fans since 1969. They've always been my team. And this from the 314. I'm a Chiefs fan. They have an electric team, and I wanted to try to root for a team in the same state. Yeah. So. I think what helps is that they are an AFC team. They were never yeah, that's a good really, point. except for the few games you played against them in the preseason here and there. For Governor's the, Cup. Exactly, for the Governor's Cup. You never really care about the Chiefs if you're a Rams fan. I never did. I would just think that if you're a St. Louis fan and you're looking for a team, you you probably hate all the owners. Even if even if Clark Hunt stood up for the Rams or stood up for St. Louis, he ultimately voted in favor to move them. Yeah. And the only team I think that you could really feel great about putting your head on the pillow at night is probably the Packers. Well, the Cardinals voted. The, the Cardinals were one of the two teams to vote against the move. But in the end, though, didn't they all vote for us no, against St. Louis? It was 30 to 2. Oh, so it was the... Bidwill and Richardson were the two that, that voted against the move. And I don't know so, if you'd feel great about siding with Jerry Richardson. So it's only the Cardinals. It's only the Cardinals. And Richardson isn't there anymore. Right. So, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with being a Cardinal fan. Mm. So, and I, by the way... I. Also, Chiefs fans are a little insufferable now. Now that they're good, every team, every it's fan kind of, of like a, Ohio State yeah. fans. Every yeah. fan of a winning team is insufferable. Do you imagine what fans outside of St. Louis think about Cardinal fans? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess so. Maybe we are thing. kind of kindred spirits. You yeah. know, the Cardinals fans have done the same thing. But I don't know. Anytime you get on social media, it's just Chiefs fans saying, "Oh wow, we're the best." Patrick well, Mahomes, can't believe you doubted him. They are. Right, but that's <laughs> a, but if you're not emotionally attached to them, you find that insufferable. It's yeah. hard to jump on that bandwagon. You're not seeing many insufferable Jaguars fans these days. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> not seeing many Jaguars fans, period. Hey, that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Thank you very much for your response. That was great. Coming up, we're going to talk some golf. Tiger coming back this week. And uh, we're going to, well, Tiger and his son. We're going to talk to Jay about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's Carriker Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. And Tiger Woods will return to the golf course this weekend at the PNC Championship. He'll be playing with his son, Charlie, and Jay Delsing, former PGA Tour pro who hosts golf with Jay Delsing Sunday mornings here on 101 ESPN. Joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jay, great to have you with us. Thanks for your time this morning. How are you? 
Doing great, guys. How are you all? Everything's good. And uh, we saw the story that Justin Thomas's dad said that he was out on a course with Tiger and said, Tiger looks great. I know. I, I've, I've been. It's just absolutely crazy. My phone's been blowing up. I've been reading everything I can about this, and you think that this is, you know, the four, the last round of the Masters or something. But <laughs> I'm just excited to see, what, you know, how it plays out. A couple of things that I'm going to look for is what sort of speed Tiger has in his swing because I know it's down from the videos I've seen. But it's interesting, guys, to see if it's going to ramp up at all once he gets, you know, once they drop the puck, so to speak. And also, how much walking is he going to be able to do? I want to see what that looks like because to play back on tour, you've got to be able to walk. And um, it, it, that's going to be interesting. But I think it's just great for our game. It is, Jay. And I'm wondering if he comes out and he looks as good as Justin Thomas's dad is saying that he does, what the fever pitch is going to be like among golf fans or in the golf world. Because if we see Tiger even looking remotely great, people are going to start to freak out and think he's fully back. I know, I know, Michelle. That's a great point. And what's interesting about our sport, guys, I'd love to get your take on this. We thrive when we have a king. You know, when we have some personality, and it just, uh, you know, Tiger's obviously generational, maybe even multi-generational, as good as he was, is. But our, our, our sport just thrives when there's this out-and-out, you know, stud that, that kind of rules rules our roost. And, um, it, 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 yeah, the... the all of the golf stuff that I read every morning, it's it's all already blowing up about the PNC. And I guarantee you, PNC is delighted. Oh, yeah. He decided to play. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Is it on Golf Channel or is it uh, NBC? I, they got to be delighted wherever it's being televised, too, because it's the Tiger effect. There's no doubt about it. Jay, I'll be watching, too, just to kind of see his lower half of his swing. And maybe you can get a little technical here, but try to explain it to the average golfer what his legs and that base and the lower half what you watch for going through a crash like this that he did of what it, it could do to his swing in terms of power speed club head speed length all that stuff yeah danny great point so what's interesting guys is that the, the lower half of the golf swing is really similar to the lower half of a slap shot of a baseball player's base where they're if they're a right-handed shooter or hitter they're going to load up their right side and back into the right hip and their uh, their right cheek, and um, and then use the the ground or the ice as uh, as leverage to twist and spin as fast as they can with their lower body leading the way. And if he's out of sync or that is you know been been um, marginalized like it has. It can throw off the entire timing of everything. It could also make you extremely cautious about how much you, how much power you try to generate. And when I've seen him on the range so far, it looks like he has been extremely cautious about how much um, energy he's putting in there. So the right hip, um, it, 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 it's kind of the the engine that pushes and gets that real lower body snap you see jt do it and his feet are hardly on the ground when he does it it's amazing how with the dynamic and the golf swing they use the lower half of the body against the upper half and they create this dynamic and then the golf the head of the golf club comes in last guys and it comes in so fast it's it's kind of like a whip like effect where you grab the 
the handle end of the whip, and as the back end of it turns around, it snaps because there's so much speed back there. That's what the golf swing's like. So with that being said, Jay, and if we keep an eye on all of that during this weekend, do you think that by the end of the weekend you'll be able to determine whether or not Tiger can do it again, whether he can get to a really high level? I'm not talking about winning a Masters, but can he get to a point where he can compete on a Sunday on a PGA Tour? Can that be determined this weekend? That's a great question, Randy. I, I think we're going to get a lot of – this guy's the most competitive person I've ever met. I thought I was competitive until I met him. He <laughs> doesn't – when he was playing, man, he didn't give up on anything. You know, he could be p- having a 60-foot putt for triple bogey, and it's just like any – he puts the same amount of intensity and, and energy into it. And then playing with his son, too, you know, you know he doesn't want these other guys to beat them. And and so I think we're going to get a really good glimpse. And I know one thing, it's going to give him some sort of barometer as well. He already has something in his mind, I believe. And I think that he played, he downplayed when we really unpack his interviews. I think he's really downplaying this to kind of make his comeback seem even better. And I'm not saying he's necessarily doing it intentionally. There may be some doubt in his mind. But guys, think about athletes like that are at this level. These, it's almost like they're made for these sort of things, I think. And so I think he already knows he can come back. I think he can come back just watching these swings. And I'll be, I'll be glued to the TV. I'll be honest. Jay, when do you think the last time Tiger Woods had a 60-footer for a triple bogey was? I know. I was thinking more about my career now. You know, where I'm like, let me just get this thing close and go three putt, make a ten. You know, so uh, yeah, he probably never has. So that was bad. That was, that was a stupid. That was a stupid example. Sorry about that. Jay, Randy talked about this earlier in the show, but uh, John Daly is in the news because he posted to his Instagram story a picture of his Taco Bell receipt from Uber Eats with the caption, "Don't drink and order Taco Bell on Uber Eats," and the total was four hundred and forty-six dollars and ten. I feel like everybody's got a good John Daly story if you're involved in golf. So if you have one, can you please share it with us? Yeah. Okay. So John, first of all, John is one of the most honest, authentic people you'll ever meet. I mean, who's going to post that? (laughs) Could you imagine wherever Uber Eats dropped that order off? Could you imagine the smell the next morning? I mean, talk about if you have it in your car for 10 minutes, it's like, Wow got to get this thing fumigated. Anyway, so John won the PGA Championship in 91 down a crooked stick. And in 92, we happened to host the PGA Championship here at Bell Reef. And John is a gigantic Cardinal fan. And, you know, John's got a, a nice appetite to have a, a, a man soda every now and again. <laughs> and he was throwing out the first pitch at Bush Stadium. And John decided it would be a good idea to bring his own beverages to Bush Stadium, and he brought a cooler with him with 48 Miller Lite. 48? <laughs> wow. That's just for the first couple innings, I think. I'm not <laughs> 48, I, I, and I said to him, is that story true? And he told me it was. I'm like, I, you know, I don't know what to say about that. That's that's so ballsy, guys. I, You know, and that's, but that's that's how John is. You know, he's like, I maybe I don't like to drink you know, a Budweiser or an Anheuser-Busch product, so I'm going to bring my own. I was just looking at uh, the PGA Tour on Twitter, and and Tiger is watching Charlie hit. By the way, Charlie's got a pretty nice swing, too. He did. Have you guys seen the thing? The yeah, where they do play? the mannerisms? It's incredible. Oh, my. It's just, it's it's almost like they just uh, transplanted one on top of the other. I mean, it is really uh, interesting. 
So did you guys check out the Brad Faxon thing? Uh, Tiger sent Charlie up to have Fax take a look at his putting. And and um, so uh, Brad has this little studio in his garage. It's really cool. There's a whole line of Scotty Cameron putters and all this other stuff. I'm totally golf geeking out on you, I know. But anyway, so Charlie's hitting hitting these putts, and Brad grabs his phone and just starts taking a little video, and he says, Charlie, have you ever seen your putting stroke before? And he goes, no, I never have. And so Brad took a, a picture of his stroke from, you know, face on and showed it to him. And he goes, what do you think about that? And Charlie goes, wow, it looks like my chest is kind of moving forward through, uh, you know, through the, the stroke and kind of guiding the ball into the hole. And he goes, yeah, what do you think? What do you think about that? How do you think we got to change that? And Brad took a video of his second stroke and he had, Brad said he fixed it perfectly. It wow. took him two, and, and he said, that's all of the lessons that's all he said to him. It was like a 15-minute lesson. And, um, and and Brad said there's just something, it just seemed so odd that a 12-year-old would have that innate, you know, uh, that proprioception to be able to, you know, get your body to do that so quickly. So I'm impressed with as hell as Charlie Swing. It, 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 it just, it, it's, it's just beautiful. And I don't know um how this plays out guys. Cause oftentimes you've seen sons of great athletes just, you know, not be able to endure through the tough times and everything, but I'm, I'm interested to watch what happens with Charlie. Jay Delsing. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We are off next Friday, so we aren't going to speak to you. So we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for having me. Love the show. See you, buddy. It's Jay Delsing. You can hear him at nine o'clock Sunday morning here on 101 ESPN golf with Jay Delsing. Love Jay. We'll all be watching golf this weekend. It'll be fun. Coming up next, we're going to talk some blues hockey. Joey Vitale joins us. Blues getting ready to take on the stars tonight, and that's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by the Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. The St. Louis Blues take on the Dallas Stars tonight at Enterprise Center. It's a 7 o'clock game, 6 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And then the Blues embark on a three-game trek to Canada that starts in Winnipeg on Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Joe Vitale joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line right now on 101 ESPN. And Joey, I might have some breaking news for you. The Winnipeg Jets announced today that head coach Paul Maurice has decided to resign from his position as head coach of the hockey club. Effective immediately, his resignation has been accepted by the team. So when the Blues go to Winnipeg on Sunday, the Jets will be coached by a new coach. That's really amazing to me, Randy, because I I look at Paul Maurice as one of the most uh, outstanding, not only coaches, but but people, like players, people, people, like in the league. You know, I mean, there's so many – Mike Babcock style coaches, just disciplinarians and dictatorships. And he was always a, a coach to me as we talked to him on the side and, and you see him dealing with Blake Wheeler and Paul Stasny and Mark Shifley, you know, uh, even, even dealing with players like Patrick Line, who was tough to get motivated at times. Mm-hmm. He, he always str- struck me as such a, uh, a wonderful, well-rounded human being that just really, you know, catered to his players in a very individual basis. So I almost, I'm almost curious that maybe it's something kind of personal. I don't think it's really professional at this point because I know the players 
absolutely loved him. Paul Stastny loves him. I know Blake Wheeler personally, and he had nothing but wonderful things to say about him. And not to mention, he's taken that team uh, on some pretty deep, deep runs. So to me, this has to strike me as something kind of personal. I know Jamie Compound, the assistant coach for Winnipeg as well, his wife, his family member and wife dealing with some sort of um, cancer issue as well. So a lot, lot, lot of issues going on, you know, and just your, your hearts and your prayers go out to them. Definitely. And uh, Maurice is going to talk to the media at 10 a.m. The former Blue Dave Lowry is going to be their interim coach when uh, the Blues take on the, the Winnipeg Jets on Sunday. So, Joey, uh, speaking of coaches, how about the job that Craig Berube has done with limited players on this roster and at times skater short, the five different goaltenders? It's It's been pretty impressive, hasn't it? It's been really impressive, um, Dan. You know, this is this is something. If, if it wasn't for that doggone coach in in Minnesota, <laughs> I think Craig Berube would be you know talked about to be the the front runner right now for the Jack Adams Award for the Coach of the Year at this point. I mean, you look at the injuries, you look at the COVID um, games missed from some of these players, um, dealing with your fourth, possibly your fifth um, goaltender in the depth chart you're playing with, and not only playing with but winning games. Um, your whole fourth line is made up of Springfield players. You have a Springfield Thunderbird on the top line with Ryan O'Reilly and Logan Brown. It, I mean, I can go on and on about the logistics and the, and the technicalities of what this coach is dealing with, but they keep winning games, and they keep winning them in a fashion that, that really caters to the style this coach wants to play. You know, I, I think what's kind of cool about Craig Berube's style of play is that, listen, he just needs soldiers. He just needs guys that are willing guys that are obedient to a system it's just it's just that plain and simple i think craig Berube maybe isn't isn't as successful on a team like let's just call it the boston bruins with a lot of veterans guys that you know are kind of set in their ways that maybe got to tiptoe around and be gentle like his style approach he's one in philly he's one here his style it caters to players who just are disciplined and, and want to please him if that makes any sense and you grab six seven eight players from springfield they're coming here and they're playing that obedience style of hockey. They, they want to impress this coach, and they want to play the style of hockey that doesn't want them to ever go away again. And they play it with their heart on their sleeve. I mean, Nathan Walker, uh, every shift, is, he feels like it's his last. I mean, Logan Brown's been playing terrific. Dakota Joss was trying to pick fights last, last game. I mean, the list goes on and on. But, but they're playing with that urgency. And when you play with urgency and you have the, the great mindset of this head coach and Craig Berube, to me, to me it really just all, all leads to some to tr- tremendous successful hockey. Joey, in the Vitale household, do you have a fake tree or a real tree? And what's the reasoning behind your choice? We're always fake, Randy. We're just a time in my life right now. A time in my life, we're all fake. My wife's got about six or seven up right now. She's, <laughs> not, she's got this thing where she puts them in all her kids' rooms. But we have a dog that likes to kind of drink the water. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just I'm tired, of, I'm tired of picking trees up. You know, when I was a kid, I'm one of six. And we used to always knock down a tree. Oh, and the real tree and the needles would spray everywhere. And, and this is a true story. Um, you know, the, the post office man would come in. My dad tells the funniest story. But the post office man w- would come in, and the tree was constantly over. My dad was constantly bringing back up. And then one, one day the, the post office guy came in to get a signature, and, and he, said, he said, sir, sir, you, you, know, you know your trees, your trees is down. And my dad goes, oh, yeah, buddy, we leave it like that. Up. We leave it like that all year long. You know, just to kind of crack, crackle. <laughs> kids are, we're breaking cabinets. We're knocking trees over. Uh, and not to mention, not to mention, my dad had a wonderful nativity set, a life, life-size nativity set in our front yard. I, I kid you not. I'll never forget uh, putting lacquer on this manger scene kind of um, uh, 
structure that the baby Jesus would be in. <laughs> and Balthazar, poor Balthazar, he, he was my linebacker. We, we, we would use a tackle, and then baby <laughs> Jesus was the football. Poor blessed mother, she was, she was my right guard. She, I would push her, and, and Balthazar's head was across the street. We had baby, poor baby Jesus was flying through the air. And listen, I'm, I'm as faithful as can be. And my dad probably was looking out the window, scratching his head. He's got a tree down, and he's got, you know, the three wise men as the lead blockers and uh listen it, it was it was a fun christmas i'm just leave it at that i'll stop right there i i do want to ask you a little bit about hockey though I, i'm going to go back to that but i like that um i think this is going to be an interesting game tonight joey and the fact that the head coach of the stars has kind of publicly called out his team for their effort and what happened the other night uh, i i would say man put your head on a swivel because they're, they're going to come charge in that first five ten minutes well, you know, yeah, that's shocking to me. It's shocking to me that, that, that he would do that because I looked at last game, I thought it was as close to a playoff game that I have witnessed all year long. I mean, the physicality, uh, the, the, the energy, I mean, uh, scrums after whistles. I mean, we almost saw a couple of fights. We saw Glenn Denny run over um, Charlie Lindgren. We saw, we saw Ottinger behind his crease, net being thrown off. I mean, I mean whenever you have a goaltender that has to fix, fix his mask twice in the first period, to me, it's going to be a physical game. So I actually, I mean, I like the game. I thought it was one of the best games I've seen all season long. I thought the Blues were at their best when they're playing that kind of physical style. But, um, but you're absolutely right. Rick, Rick Bonus is someone that, that gets the most out of his players. And I think that the comments um, are, are pretty common, obviously, in Dallas, as we see not only from coaches and general managers, but even ownership to some degree about calling out head players. So there will be, there will be a response there. But, but then you've got to take it almost a step further. This isn't, this isn't a, a head coach being that kind of dictator, just trying to get the most out of his players in this game. They really respect his coach. They, they really do. I mean, I go back to Ben Bishop and Scrum the other day. Um, there was a couple times he got emotional in that scrum. One talking about his parents, and the other one was actually talking about his head coach, Rick Bonus. You know, he talked about how he's been a father figure to him. You know, there there, there is a, a few coaches left in this league, I think, at, at this time being, that go beyond the X's and O's, beyond the hey, I'm a coach, you're a player, let's get the most out of you in this moment, in this game, in this practice. That there is a personal side to Rick, and I think that that's what we really saw with Ben and his emotions kind of coming out, and he cares a lot about his players, cares deeply. Um, for the people they are and for the players they become. So I think that with those comments being said and with the character that Rick uh, possesses, I think without question this is going to be a great response game uh, for the Dallas Stars. I thought it was a response game a couple nights ago. I really did. They lost three games in a row on that road trip. They came in with some bite, some snarl. The Blues just played really good. They played really solid, tight defensively, and they, they kind of ran away within the third period. But if that was a response game for Dallas, I almost put that on steroids in tonight's game because it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a battle here tonight. Hey, Joey, one last thing. What are your impressions early on of Charlie Lindgren? Obviously, the statistics are great, but you have a different eye for uh, the game and for a goalie than we do. Is what we're seeing here real? Does he have the ability to maintain being really good? Or is there a chance that what we're seeing is a flash in the pan? Randy, Charlie reminds me of my first kiss. Um, It's sloppy. But it was good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? There's, Congrats. Yeah, yeah. Technically, <laughs> technically, it wasn't quite there. You know, I, I would love to have done it over, right? It would love, love, love to have done it over. But it was sloppy, but it worked, and it made sense, and uh, it produced what it needed to produce. Just leave it at that. And that, to me, that's that, to me is what Charlie is. You, you look at him. He's got, he's got the 70s look with the mustache and the choppers and the long hair. He's got the 70s <clears> style. <throat> he's all over the place. He's he's, he's 
knocking pucks out with his blocker. He's unconventional, I think, in some degree to what goaltenders possess now. He, he's, he's not very technical, in my opinion. Like, he's the opposite of Jordan Bennington. He, he reminds me of someone that uh, is from the 70s that we just kind of, like, put in a, a time machine and warped him back here to 2021. 20, you know, you look at him, he plays really low. He, he kind of overextends himself at times. Maybe he comes out and he, he, he comes out so aggressive. I mean, you go back to that uh, hock and pop breakaway a, a couple nights ago in Dallas. He's like five feet outside his crease. I mean, that, that to me is old school. But in the offensive zone, watch him. He's a big guy, but he, cr- he crunches down so low. His head's like waist level. So he's always fighting for pucks and looking for pucks. I would think that there would be more open up top because of how low he is. I was talking to Darren Payne about this in the plane right home a couple nights ago. For how low he plays, and he's always fighting the traffic, you would think that up high is open. But as soon as up high is open, he's got those quick reflexes, just kind of like snaps it with a glove or blocks it with a blocker. I mean, he's getting the job done. And again, at the end of the day, it's sloppy, like my first kiss, but it got the job done. Yeah. By the way, Panger had no choice but to play low, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> he tried to play tall, but he still played low. But he got the job done, for sure. <laughs> he sure did. Joey V, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. We'll be tuned in tonight for the Blues and the Stars. I can't wait, guys. You guys have a great weekend. Uh, always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. Joe Vitale, Blues broadcaster, Blues analyst with Curbs here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game with Alex Ferrario at 6 tonight, and the action coming your way at 7. Wasn't sure to hear that comparison to a first kiss, but we got it. It was a good comparison. It sure was. And turning a nativity scene into an offensive line. I like that. Very <laughs> effective. I think out of all his uh, roads that he goes down, I kind of like that one the, the best, I think. a lot of fun. He said Balzazar or whatever. He, he's over there and left tackle, and then that guy's head went flying off. And this, you know, poor baby Jesus is back there as the QB. Only Joey could uh, come up with something like that. I had been out of the studio. I had to step out to do something. And when I stepped in, I just walked into that. And yeah. I can't imagine if you just turned on your radio and you you caught the middle of that and you were like, what is Joe Vitale talking about? And, and that's that was, what you get when you, you tune into Joey. It, and and that was in response to does the Vitale household have real or fake trees? <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, great. And they've got seven fake trees going right now. Love Do you it. have a real or a fake tree? Mine's fake. I have a black Christmas tree. It's black and gold. Interesting. M-I-Z? Well, it's more of like a chrome instead of gold. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not actually gold. Gotcha. It's How about you but guys, yeah, Mizzou Randy? fans would like it. I bet they would. We are fake trees throughout. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. We're pr- pretty much in the same boat. Six. Seven. You have six yeah, trees? I think so, yeah. We've got like... Uh, wow. In the main, we've got one in the family room, one in the living room, one in the dining room, and then downstairs, one in the blues room, one in the cardinals room. Then the kids have them in their rooms. Wow. How many do you have, Dan? Uh, we got one. Yeah, and it's fake. I, I went through the real stuff for a while, and um, kind of like Joey, had the dog licking out of the the <laughs> water, mm-hmm. so it was tough to do that. And then one of the first time I tried to get this massive tree when I first got married. And uh, we had a high ceiling in one of the rooms. I said, we're going to do this right. This is going to be our tradition. We're going to have this huge tree. I mean, massive. And uh, twice it fell over in the middle of the night. It's over. And uh, in the middle of the night, I got up on the second. I tried tying it to things. I tried everything. I got weights, put it down on the base, did everything. And uh, it fell over multiple times. And uh, I think it was after like the third time I said, that's it. And at three in the morning, my neighbors saw me dragging the tree out of the front door now, <laughs> in the I, middle of December. I said, did, I'm, that's it. I'm, it's over. Yeah, we didn't have the three in the morning episode, but that's the exact same reason that we I was hot. Yeah, that's the only reason we have fake trees now. Yeah, I, I was, was hot. I said, that's it. I'm not, I'm not 
I can't do this anymore. That was it. I don't blame you. By yeah. the way, Michelle, your tree is black. In our blues room, we have a blue tree. Oh. And then in the Cardinals room, all of the ornaments on that tree are sports ornaments. So we have like a Kurt Warner ornament, and we have Billikens and and Mizzou. Nothing and says Cardinals Christmas like a Kurt Warner element and, uh, ornament at the uh, Carriker household. We've got a Jordan Bennington ornament there. Of course, we've got nice. an old football St. Louis football Cardinals ornament. What's Jordan Bennington? What's the ornament look like? Is he's, he making a save? He's making a save. Yeah. Very cool. And what's Kurt doing? Uh, dropping back to throw a pass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. What's what's in the Cardinals room? Is there a TV in there? Is that where you watch? Yeah, games? there's a TV in both of them. Oh, okay. So you got one in the in the Blues room, and then just to the left of the Blues room is the Cardinals room, and uh, so that that one's more of a uh, family watching area. It's much bigger, so Joan can do yoga and stuff in there and body pump, and so that's got all uh, Blues gear and uh, pictures and photos. Or the Blues Room has all blue stuff, as you might mm-hmm. guess. Cardinals Room has all Cardinal stuff. Like Aussie pictures, pictures of McGuire, number 62, World Series pictures, stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, can I give you guys a late take it or leave it? Sure. sure. Take it or leave it whenever you see Charlie Lindgren, you're going to think about Joe Vitale and his first kiss. Take it. Yeah, sloppy. I'm going to leave it. I'm the, I just I don't want the visual. <laughs> so I'm going to try to block it. Yeah, I'm just going to block it. Somebody we, said I'm Dan Griswold. I, I yeah, Dan Griswold. You know the, the Griswold. Like I think uh, you Randy's know. more like Clark Griswold though. Yeah, I mean, he he's is. Got you the got sweater on. Let him hear it, Randy. I don't. Let him hear the sweater. Oh, here. Let me. Let's jingle. Yeah. You are Clark <laughs> yeah. Griswold. Yeah. Yeah. I was hot, man. I don't blame you. I would be too. Hot. Yeah. It's frustrating. Rage blackout. Oh, it was. It was because I said this is. Like the Griswold thing when he's doing that, when he's mad at the lights. That was me with the tree. We are going to cross things over as we head towards the Danny Mac show next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Gonna be. We've got a couple of Blues games tonight and Sunday afternoon at 2. We've got, obviously, Tiger Woods playing with Charlie. You've got some great NBA action. And then uh, some fun NFL games on Sunday, too. I'm going to go ahead and say that because of the circumstances surrounding it, that when we come in on Monday, we're going to be the most excited to talk about Tiger. I agree. It's going to be the, the time that you haven't had in uh, so many... I still look back at his Masters as one of the greatest sporting uh, feats and intrigue that I've ever had as a fan of sports, I remember, watching him win that Masters. Don't you remember exactly where you were sitting? Yes. I was crying. Yeah. You remember who you were with? It was one of those, I don't care what is happening, I'm stopping everything to watch this moment. Goosebumps thinking about it, it right now. When he hugs his kids. Oh, yeah. so good. How long will it be, by the way, until Charlie Woods finds himself on the PGA Tour? He's 12 right now. So he's 12. I'll 18? say, yeah, like I, I, I give him like a year or two in college, maybe, and then turns pro. Yeah. Okay. So just like Tiger then. Yeah. So we've got eight years on the clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that. I'm sure you got to look at his swing. It's crazy. It is unbelievable. Yeah. It's beautiful. So what happens first? Charlie wins a PGA Tour event or Tiger wins a senior tour event? Tiger's five years away. Do you think Tiger plays in the away. senior? I think he does. That'll be interesting. I I hope next year the Ascension Charity Classic is able to get Phil here. Me too. 
which would be great. Um, and it's a chance to, you know, have uh, uh, for those guys a chance to get a lot of money in their pockets and and go win um, and still stay relevant. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I guess Tiger would do it. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe would you have to pay him a lot though to show up? Do you? I would think that he'd just want to prove his dominance against a, a peer group because now the guys aren't peers. But if he can walk in and beat Phil. I would think that he would like that, but and, and at least play in the senior majors. And, you know, that has to yeah. be kind of cool because so many athletes in other sports talk about what they miss about the competition and the camaraderie of the guys that they were with once they retire. But that has to be so cool for golf that even at a different level, you can still get that part of you satiated if you want to be a competitor. Right. You know, sure. that, that's awesome. And I also think there's something of the ego factor that, yeah. you know, you're still relevant. Mm-hmm. Um I've talked to the folks at the Ascension Charity Classic and some of the golfers I've actually talked to. They think they're going to be able to get Phil next year, and they think some of the uh, even bigger names um, of the the tour that didn't show up this year are going to come back. Now, Steve Stricker was dealing with um, the Ryder Cup, I guess, at that point, and then Phil was involved with that, so that was a conflict. But they think because of how well it went, the crowds they had, how they were treated – they're like this is like a tour stop, like this is yeah. a, on a PGA tour. So yeah, we we need to be uh, be a part of it and make sure that that happens, which would be cool. We have USA Canada women's hockey tonight at the Centene Ice Center, and tickets are still available for that. Thanks to this, our friends from the St. Louis Sports Commission for bringing that to town. And if you just go to the Sports Commission website, that can guide you to tickets for the USA versus Canada women tonight. Which, if we have an Olympics and Olympic hockey, it would be perhaps a gold medal preview game. Although I don't know if we're going to have that now. Well, I think I we'll definitely get it on the women's side, for sure. Um, the NHL obviously is is really up in air in the air, and it just yeah. the way things are going, it does not look good that they would do this. I didn't realize this, guys. That so, if a player goes over there from the NHL, and then they they pop positive, so it's weeks that they have to five, stay there. Five weeks. I was going to say that it's a it's a long period of time, and they don't get paid. Yeah. So you have to be back with your team to, you know, if you went on the COVID list or you're injured or whatever, that's when you're you would obviously still be making your money. But if you go over there, um, you're you're not going to get paid. Now, if you're Binner or O'Reilly and you've had it in the last ninety days, oh, good point. It might be more palatable to you. And you still want to compete, right. for your country. Yeah. But there's any player that hasn't had COVID in the last three or four months then they'll probably want to stay away. Yeah. Um, I, I really look forward to the Olympics with the NHL players. Yeah, it's great. It's I love watching it. Yeah. All right, Dan, what do we have coming up on the show? All right, talking uh, blues. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford's going to be with us. Uh, also have a visitor from the Dallas Stars. So kind of preview what's happening tonight, the blues and stars. And uh, we'll have it for you right here on 101. And the game is, I think, being streamed. So if you don't right, have the streaming. ESPN Plus game. Yeah. And this, Hulu. This is where you want to listen. Yep. Right here on 101 ESPN. That's right. Great job by our producer engineer, the one and only Andrew Marsh. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. You uh, you did a great job again. I thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. You always do a great job. Thank you. And have a great weekend. And thanks for uh, you guys, you and Andrew, brightening up the, the mood and the, bringing the holiday spirit with your sweaters I'll today. I'll be festive all next week. I love that. Yeah, Dan didn't compliment my sweater. It's okay. Wow, Dan. Uh, let me look at it. Let me let me take a gander. To, oh, I love it. It's a Star rocks. Wars sweater. Yeah, yeah, a couple of stormtroopers. Yeah, very, cool. very nice. Love it. For all very, of us, very nice. Thank you very much for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.